Welcome to the Arms Race, the podcast where we try to determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history, currently by watching every Sylvester Stallone movie. I'm Mike Olson. And I'm Kevin Keen, and today we're discussing Rocky Balboa, released by MGM on December 20th, 2006, starring Sylvester Stallone, Burt Young, Antonio Tarver, Geraldine Hughes, Milo Ventimiglia, Tony Burton, A.J. Benza, and James Francis Kelly III, written and directed by Sylvester Stallone. Rocky Balboa. We are at a Rocky movie, so I know you're excited, and this is your second favorite Rocky, correct? Uh, That's what I said coming into this episode. I I think that may have changed slightly. Wow. Slightly. I I definitely really liked this movie when I first saw it, and I liked it the previous time I watched it. It was probably a year or two ago. Uh, I feel like it slipped a tiny bit, and we'll talk about why. I think there's, there's a few things... I don't think it's aging particularly well, but I, 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 but I still think it's a very good movie. I, I think it's at least third or fourth. Wow. Well, this, this is going to be two episodes in a row. Or is it two episodes in a row? I don't know. Uh, I, two episodes in a row of what? Of, no, it, it's not. I'm, I'm, thinking, uh, I'm thinking of uh, Avenging Angelo, where I came into it, and uh, you, you were... Oh, I hated that movie, No, though. but the, you were more down on it than me. I've I got to admit, I was... More than pleasantly surprised on Rocky Balboa. Okay, I don't good. think that I've seen it since it was in theaters. I think I went with you just to like go to the movies. Yeah. I had no vested interest. Well, I it's well. I'll finish your thought. I have I have a thought about why you may have liked it more. Okay, on the 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 aging, I'll be interested to get your perspective. I didn't really think of that. Uh, there's a few moments in it that don't hold up all that well, but we'll get to those. What I feel that this is this is a great bookend to me to the original Rocky. There's definitely that. That is what it does best. And in contrast, I think it is perfect that we did Rambo, and I know that now there's been, you know, Last Blood. Right. But <laughs> Rambo 4 is the best bookend for the Rambo series. And Well, I guess both series went on, but Rambo 5 didn't delineate itself the way Creed does. Creed kind of says, well, this is a new thing. Rambo 5 doesn't do that. No. Rambo 5 is Rambo 5. But Last Blood. In terms of, I, I guess, the tone of how you got to Rambo, and I just, it was, it was very difficult for me. Yeah. This, yeah, I can see why this would revive interest in the franchise, revive Sylvester Stallone, all those things. And I, you know, at the time when we saw him, too, I, again, I went because you wanted to go see a Rocky movie. I'm like, yeah, I'll go. Oh, sure. Sure. Now doing it for this podcast, it's a perfect bookend. And I enjoyed this maybe more than I should have. I came away that this this may be my second favorite of the of the Rocky franchise. Okay, good. If we're counting Creed, it's definitely not my second because I love the first Creed. I'd, Creed is very good. It's I'd, been a I'd, while since I've seen it, but I really did enjoy Creed. I'd put that second. I think I, you know, prior to rewatching it this time, I would have put this third. It might still be third. I don't have to think about it. But uh, let me ask you this because I think I wonder if maybe the reason why you liked it more this time as opposed to the first time is because we watched through all of them in order. And, you know, a lot of connections. I think you said last episode when we said we were going to be doing this that, for instance, you probably didn't know who Spider Rico was or remember Spider Rico. No, I didn't see In 2006, no. Yeah, exactly. I'd seen Rocky, but there's no way I did. Right. Uh, he's, yes, that's he's a, one guy in the first two minutes of Rocky, a movie that had come out 25 years previous or 30 or <laughs> Three years before we were born. Right, exactly. So, yeah, of course you didn't remember him. I did not. Yes, there there is a certain affection that I have for that kind of callback, and that it wasn't just a passing one either. Sure, I mean it. It's a legitimate part. Yeah, absolutely. I to answer your question, I do think that that helped. Yeah, having now gone through the entire series and seeing where Rocky started to where it 
you know, the, the Rocky movies, we'll say, winds up. It's a perfect place for it to wind up, and it definitely was an interesting journey of the movies in between. Oh, sure. You know, this, this, there's a long and winding road, to, yes. to quote the Beatles. Yeah, I, I think, let me be clear, I, do, I really, really like this movie. I like all the Rocky movies. I feel like I'm saying this every time, because I, I have some criticisms of this movie, I, but I think it does a lot really, really well. And I think, like you said, I think the fact that it acts as a kind of a mirror to the first movie, structurally, it's very similar. Yep. I mean, it's it's similar to the first movie in that the the deal isn't struck for the fight until like an hour in, in both cases. Whereas I feel like in other Rocky movies, you know pretty early in the movie what the story is. Even if it's, you know, there's usually preamble to the fight or like in Rocky Three, there's an early fight and then a later fight, you know, or Rocky Four is like... The fight with Apollo, where Apollo dies, oh, is Rocky set up. Three, you get a bonus fight too, Thunderlips. You do get Thunderlips, yes. <laughs> it's, it's funny because I was thinking about this. Uh, I'll just talk about it now. But I was thinking, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think about Thunderlips, but I was thinking about professional wrestling and the way that it impacted boxing. Because when I was watching this movie, and they'll have their entrances, and we'll talk about Rocky's choice of entrance music, which I adore. <laughs> Rocky's choice or Paulie's choice? Oh, yes, yeah, Paulie's choice. He loves Frank Sinatra. Um, whosoever choice it is it was great it was just a great idea and you remember when, um, when we did Ants I said remember this song and All right. I, don't, I don't know if you remembered when you heard it no in, in I forgot I have not actually listened to the Ants episode so. okay I will you I were here when we recorded it so I, I, but that doesn't <laughs> we take some long breaks between these episodes we do it was a while ago but I was thinking about this like oh this is the first Rocky movie that was made in the era when boxers come to the ring with entrance music and then I went I guess that's a, a professional wrestling influence and like I was thinking about that as I was watching the movie but that, I don't think Thunderlips got an entrance so that that Rocky 3 was made before even wrestlers had entrance music yeah well hold on though so when would entrance music and I wish I knew wrestling history because Mike Tyson definitely had ent- entrance music, didn't he? Yeah, that was the late eighties. Yeah, it was the late eighties. So you're you're thinking somewhere between Rocky three and or even Rocky four. That was eighty five. Yeah, I don't think boxers entered the you know the arena with music at no, that time. I think you're right. Rocky five. I mean, you see a little bit of the Tommy Gun fights, but you don't see the entrances really. It just occurred to me, like, oh, yeah, entrance music. I don't think that's ever been a yeah. thing in a Rocky movie. I just, I, we ended up on this subject, so I figured no, I'd bring right. it up now. you're right. It's a good observation. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, I like this movie a lot. I think it's it's much more emotional than I, than any of the Rocky movies up until here, except for the first one. I think Absolutely. In, in that way, you know, in the decision to have Adrian have died off screen, you know, a couple years prior to the movie... I think that was a really smart one. I was I was reading that I guess there was a version of the script where she was alive and Talia Shire was going to come back, and then pretty late in the game, Stallone changed his mind and said, no, I think it's better if she's gone. I think that was correct because, you know, it, it's funny how, I remember I was talking about this in Rocky V, how Rocky V tries to get the series back to its origins, but in a very mechanical, kind of a surface level way. I'm just like, she's back at the pet store, and he's, you know, back at Mickey's gym, and everything's back the way it was. We're living in Polly's house. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Merry Christmas, yo, yo, yo. I don't think you got that right, Santa. <clears throat> that's not a return to Rocky 1. I don't think Polly was ever Santa Claus in Rocky 1. <laughs> but my point is, that's all very service level, whereas I think Rocky Balboa gets Rocky back to where he was emotionally, of yeah. lonely and feeling useless and feeling like he doesn't have anything to contribute to the world. You know, and that's really, I think, what this movie does best is yeah. recapturing that feeling as opposed to just, you know, remember these things. I mean, it leans on the nostalgia a little bit, but not as much as you not would think. Ton. No, and even setting up the fight. The fight, he's, it's really there. He's 
He's not interested in the title. He just wants to prove that he can do it. Right. That's really what he can fight again and not not getting it, you know, a chance at the title. That that's very cinema. And the fact the way that the fight goes down is effectively fights to a draw. I think it's a absolute perfect bookend. Yeah. Cuz it it's plausible enough. It's hard to kind of believe with his age, but it's at least plausible enough that they again didn't go for and that that's what I loved about the that killed me on Rocky 2 is they wanted to give the happy ending. I love the fact that no, he loses, but that's not the point. That's he really wants some Rosie Perez. I always say taught me a white man can't <laughs> jump. Sometimes when you lose, you actually win. And he did. He lost the fight, but not in reality. He, he won what he set out to do. Yeah. yeah no, no doubt about it. I mean, you could argue that, oh, it's kind of copying the first movie, but you kind of, I mean, it, I mean, that's the goal of this movie is to recapture that. And I think it, it successfully him, does it without yeah. feeling like a copy. It gives us the, the one, the old man, one last run, you know, and, I, I do feel bad. It seems to be maybe it's just because we're getting older. I seem to have a soft spot for it because I, I think I've said on this, Logan is one of my you know favorite movies from any of the kind of comic origins. And maybe I just, maybe that maybe that had an influence too of why I like this now more than I remember in 2006 is maybe it's that I'm older and I can say, yeah, I can see why. Oh, sure. Rock wants, he's got a little bit left in the basement. We're getting closer and closer to that stage in our lives every day. Exactly. So. Yeah, I think there's some some truth to that. I mean, I liked it at the time as a twenty something. How old? Twenty two thousand six. Six. Twenty seven. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I still liked it at the time, but I I, de- I definitely think uh, yeah that helps to to yeah the perspective change. You know, you, you're you're yeah you'd see movies differently as you get older, and I think yeah. this is one where it's understandable that that would happen. All right, All you. Sure. Uh, yeah, we can get started. Ready to get into it? Yeah, All right, let's, let's do it. Do it. What day is it? What year? All right. As you said, December 20th, 2006. So Merry Christmas, yo, yes, yo, yo. Yes. Merry <laughs> yo, yo, yo. It was a Christmas opening. Yeah. Uh, some stiff competition, so that uh, made it a challenge, but uh, but a successful. A, a difficult opening weekend, but a, a successful movie overall. So oh, we, was there a Lord of the Rings opening that weekend? No. That must have been too late for that. No, no. Uh, oh, hold on. It's funny that you mentioned that. Okay. Because I'm like, is that a, no, I, I looked at it, I'm like, it may be pronounced that way, but it's not actually related to Lord of the Rings. So, on a $24 million budget, uh, according to IMDb, the total box office for Rocky Balboa was just under $156 million, with $70.2 million domestic and $85.6 in international. <laughs> Before we get to the opening weekend, uh, what do you think the Rotten Tomatoes... Score is for Rocky Balboa. I saw it. It was like in the low seventies, right? Actually, high seventies. Okay. So the critics had a seventy-seven percent, and this is one where the audience is right in line, seventy-six percent on the audience score. Okay. You know, at least most movies I look up, it, it's very rare that the the critics and the audience are that close. So that was uh, pretty interesting to see. Yeah, this is not going to be. I mean, Rocky fans are very passionate, but I don't think they're the type to be like, we got to make sure the score is higher or lower, pump up be- the jam because of the message of Rocky. It was like sometimes when you lose, you actually win. That's right. I think Rocky fans are, you know, are. Uh, emotionally mature enough to not do that. <laughs> Unlike some other franchises. All right, I'm not no- trying to pat myself on the back. I, genu- <laughs> I genuinely do think that. The number one movie in America, Ben Stiller and Night at the Museum with $30.4 million. Okay. Not, I'm not a fan of any of those movies. Uh, I've never seen... There's only two of them, right? Uh, there's at least two. There might have been a third. I've never seen them. Uh, number two, so very... very I, this actually is a similar type movie to Rocky Balboa, 
Uh, it is actually in its second week. So Night at the Museum was its opening weekend. Not not surprising. Family family fair. Sure. Christmas. Yeah. Kids are on their Christmas break. Exactly. Uh, the Pursuit of Happiness. Uh, true story starring Will Smith. Kind of a not exact, but a similar story, kind of to, to Rocky Balboa in some ways. Okay. Sort of like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm familiar with the concept, even though I've never seen that movie. Yeah, uh, a, a good performance by Will Smith, one of my uh, one of my favorites of him. Okay, so actually, Rocky was number three. Uh, Rocky Balboa was number three at oh, so sorry, Pursuit of Happiness was fourteen point eight million. Uh, Rocky Balboa wa- opened with uh, twelve point one million to be the number number three movie that weekend. All right, another movie opening, The Good Shepherd, with nine point nine million. I've never seen it. The, the title rings a vague bell, but I don't, I don't... I think it's a Matt Damon movie. That sounds right, yeah. Uh, another family fair in its third week, number five, Charlotte's Web, 7.5 million. Uh, here was... It wasn't really a Lord, of connection, uh, Lord of the Rings connection. Number six was Aragon, but not Aragon that you're thinking. I think it's a dragon movie, actually. Yeah. E-R-A-G-O-N. Aragorn. Aragorn. In, okay. uh, that, that extra R is essential. Uh, no, there's no. It's E R A G O N. Oh, Ira, okay, with an E. Aragon. E- Aragon, yes. as opposed to Aragorn. Okay, yeah. uh, just over seven million. I thought this movie did better for some reason. <laughs> the number seven movie is opening in its first week. We are Marshall at six point one million. I don't know why I thought. Maybe I'm confusing that with um, uh, with Denzel Washington. Uh, I know the one you're talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, that's what I'm confusing it with. All right, number eight. In its fourth week, Happy Feet, a animated movie, five point one. Yeah. George, George Miller, director of Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Really? He made those Happy Feet movies. Wow. Number nine, uh, in its fifth week, The Holiday with four point eight million, and number ten, The Nativity Story with four point six million. That's the right time of year for it. It occurs to me because I, I, we never really touched on this, but I'm not that surprised that Rocky Balboa only opened number three because I do remember the run up to this movie, this movie being, being a little bit of a joke of just like Rocky, but you know, in this in the style of Spaceballs, Rocky Five Thousand, you know, that was it was kind of being laughed at until it came out and everyone went, oh, this is actually a good, a good movie. movie. Yeah, so it probably had good word of mouth and built. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that the first weekend was not good. Thanks. Speaking about that out loud, it does make sense. There hadn't been a Rocky movie since Rocky, Rocky Five. Yeah. wasn't very good. Right, it had been a decade plus since you know Rocky Five. So all of that does kind of add up that it needed to be good. To, it, to, it had been a decade plus since Sylvester Stallone had had a hit. Yeah. Period. Yeah, like not since Cliffhanger, basically. Because <laughs> yeah. Copland was not a hit. I no, mean, I, I enjoy. I liked the movie a lot. But it's a good movie, but it was not of commercial success. Yeah, so I mean, that, that that was part of it too. Of just like Sylvester Stallone is still around, you know. Agreed. All right. After this, it revived his career, like like you said. So, so what's funny is I was putting this together for the Nielsen ratings. I said, "Man, these look really similar to 2007, 2008." Did I do this right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, number one, American Idol Wednesday. Number two, American Idol Tuesday. Number three, tied three ways. Dancing with the Stars Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Taste. Wow, people were very consistent on watching every single day. If you watched, you watched every day. They're tied exactly. So it takes until number six to get a scripted drama, and it is CSI, the original, <laughs> which is always around in the 2000s. We were just like frozen in cultural carbonites it at really the time. Was. It was for, for like four or five years, it was like we're all watching the same it's thing. It's very Han Solo. Yeah, You're right. we're all trapped. 
Uh, number seven, Grey's Anatomy. Number eight, House, which I know we discussed on the last episode. Yep. Your affinity for that. Number nine, I think I complained about Desperate Housewives. And number ten, another CSI. Miami. Yeah! I think at the time those are the only two, so it makes sense. Now there's like 12 of them. Uh, there's not that many. I, I'm exaggerating for comic effect. I know. There's like, what, four? I think there's four. And I think some of them are gone, too. Probably. Yeah, the original CSI is gone. All right. The S&P 500. The original CSI is gone and there's all there's derivatives? There? Oh, around? I'm pretty sure. Miami's overall also, I think. But the CSI New Orleans is definitely still on. CSI, Vegas? Vegas, I think it's still on. Los Angeles, maybe. How does New Orleans hang around longer than the original? You just you, all you have to do is longer, put, but then just years because it started later. All you have to do is put a late '80s and/or early '90s rapper in there, and you know, you'll do fine. LL Cool J's in one of them. Ice T's in one of them. I for, I can never <laughs> keep it straight. <laughs> I like that formula. That's you the just, formula. I bet we look at every single one of these CSIs. Some of them might be NCISs. I forget. Who can keep those straight? <laughs> they they really are all the same. Okay. You know, I have way more fun with this TV segment than I should. <laughs> Almost every time I have fun with it. These are all shows we've never seen, but we, I know, we we're just, just sit here and be derisive about them. We've never seen any of them. We are such snobs. I've, on, I've only seen the first three minutes of a handful of CSI Miami's only because I enjoy... I only <laughs> want to watch the cold opens of that show. That, One, once the who comes in and goes, yes. it's just great. I don't want to watch anymore. All right, the S&P 500 is at 1424.16. I went uh, back and forward a little bit on history because it was a little thin in December of 2006. Yeah. Um, in no- November 6th, the midterm elections result in the Democrats gaining control of both houses of Congress. November 19th, Nintendo's Wii is released in America. And it was mm. a surprising hit, as I remember. That was a, a, it was a, a phenomenon. very phenomenon, phenomenal uh, council because basically people really the Wii Sports games were a lot of fun because you could kind of get up and get a little bit of activity. It kind of burned out too fast. Like it's one of those things where that that could be. that Christmas it was the thing. Like it was one of the last like impossible to get Christmas gifts. I would say, although I'm sure something has happened recently that I don't know about. But you know, uh, probably not. It was one of the 2000, last. 2000. This was probably it. This is like the end of Jingle All the Way. Basically, yeah, exactly. It was it was that kind of a thing. But then within a couple of years. Everyone's like, this controller doesn't really work all that well, and there aren't a lot of games for this thing. That, the game, that was the problem. The games were the, the limitations. Yeah. I mean, all things considered, I've got my Switch right behind you, and the Switch is way better. Than the, is it good? It's a, it's a really good console. We don't, uh, we don't have one. It's funny. We still have a Wii, and we, they, the kids and I will do the bowling and whatever. Every once oh, sure. While, so. The kids will let you get away with that and not make you buy the new, the new systems. <laughs> I mean, we have an Xbox 360, so I'm, we don't have to get that's every not old. That's almost as old as the Wii, I think. That no. came out in like oh seven oh eight. Then we have an Xbox One. I'm sorry, we we oh, have okay, like the, okay. the newest the newest Xbox. Yes, okay. Uh, I do not have the newest PlayStation. Now, the only play the last PlayStation we have now is the PlayStation Two, and that's mine. I've from got like, I've, college. I've got I've got a PS4, but only to play Red Dead Two, and I I've, I've basically played nothing else since I finished it. <laughs> that's funny because I was it, it. This is stupid because I could just go play Final Fantasy VII on my PlayStation, but I have to admit. Seeing the new rendition, I mean, it's basically the same game, but I would, I would actually like to play. It's not Final the same Fantasy. game. I've heard very mixed things about how much they changed, and really? people have mixed opinions about oh. how, how changed it is. Then maybe I would have an issue because that is my favorite Final Fantasy by far. Yeah, you got to start coming in here with the top video game sellers in this segment. Actually, you know what? I 
I'm gonna. How did it take us this long to say we need to do that? That is that. Well, because some of these were pre-video game, but that that I do need to get a video game history on there. I probably I'll, I'll bet you could look up the Pong sales, uh, you know, of 1978 or whatever. All right, that that is a note that I am going to need to do for the final final Stallone season. I need to get video game updates. Okay, that's fair. Take take something out if you want. I don't want to like you know. This doesn't take that long. Sure. Okay. All right. Just making sure. Now in December, we're actually in December, right around uh, the, the weekend of uh, Rocky's release, actually. Rocky Balboa's release. December 22nd, the Space Shuttle Discovery lands at the Kennedy Space Center, concluding a two-week mission to the International Space Station to have some news that is not depressing. I found something in space. Great. Was that the last mission? That was, that was close to when they retired the, I think it may, the space I, shuttle. It may have been. Yeah. Because now it's just Jeff Bezos, Richard Branson, oh, and Elon Musk. <laughs> Space. I follow NASA on Twitter, and every time it's just like, thanks, SpaceX, for getting us into space. We can't do it anymore. It's embarrassing. <laughs> it makes me think of, was it was it the Dax Corporation? Is that Moonraker? Yes. <laughs> well, I, I forget if his corporation was called the Dax Whatever. Corporation. His name was Dax. Dax. Hugo, Hugo Dax, yes. Hugo Dax. It is very similar, now that you mention it. <laughs> we do business with SpaceX in my company. I'm not going to go into too much details, but uh, they're not easy to deal with. That's okay. all I'll say. December 26th, former President Gerald Ford dies at the age of 93 in Rancho Mirage, California. I know exactly why you said it that way. <laughs> I almost did a spit take. Do you like nachos? Yes, of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. January 4th, Congress elects uh, Nancy Pelosi as the first female Speaker of the House in United States history. Yep. She'll lose the gavel in a few years and then get her right, get right back. back. Yep. <laughs> That's longer um, ago than I think. I guess that, that makes sense. Yeah, 2006. And then the financial crisis hits, and yeah. um, the reaction actually from the the Tea Party to retakes the House and Senate in 2010. That Speaking of feeling old, that you reading that right there of what, oh, Nancy Pelosi became Speaker of the House 14 years ago. Just like, Jesus Christ, that doesn't seem like that long ago. No, it doesn't. January 9th. Apple CEO Steve Jobs introduces the original iPhone at a Macworld keynote in San Francisco. The product is eventually released in June of 2007. That's a significant event, for sure. It actually really is. It might be the most significant event of all these things you've listed. What's funny is, uh, certainly of of this history, yes, and of many histories in both technology and in many, many ways, the introduction of the iPhone is... um, Changed society. Fundamentally. And and Apple, really. I mean... Yeah, that too, yeah. I mean, the iPod really did renovate and regenerate that company, but the iPhone is what made Apple the world's... It's a lot... I I don't know if right now it's still the worst, most valid, but it's right there. Yeah, totally. All right, and finishing out on the history front, I tried to learn a little bit about this book, but it wasn't that interesting. For One More Day by Mitch Album is the uh, New York Times bestseller in December of 2006. He's a sports writer, right? That might be, is that, is, that's, that might be a sports... No, it wasn't. It was some sort of... Really? Is it a novel? Yeah. And it, Why do I know that name? I don't know. Maybe it's a, there's another sports writer with a similar name, or, or maybe he, I've he heard... Could have been an author doing other things. Maybe. Well. Maybe or maybe my wires have gotten crossed. And the Billboard 100, Irreplaceable by Beyonce. I, don't, I didn't recognize it. She said, many successful songs, I just didn't recognize that one. Yeah, I'm, again, I'm sure if we heard it, we'd be like, oh, that one. Probably. All right, you ready for a move on? We're done with history to the big picture. Let's talk about the big picture. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. All right, the big picture. We discussed the plot of the movie. Yeah, Rocky Balboa. Do you have a two-sentence uh, summary? I tried. I tried. Let's, let's see how I did. Okay. 
Rocky Balboa has lost Adrian and is looking to find something. ESPN uses a computer simulation and determines that the current champ, Mason the Line Dixon, couldn't handle old Rocco. Training sequence and an HBO bout later provide Rocky a perfect bookend to the 1976 Best Picture winner. Yeah. The cartoon fight, as Paulie puts it. <laughs> it's right. Looney Tunes cartoon fight. <laughs> Looney Tunes. He calls it both in various points. <laughs> Talking about that Looney Tunes cartoon fight. Paulie has some horribly racist stuff in this, but he has some great... Some great comedy as well. Uh, yeah, I, there's no doubt about it. <laughs> they, they can they concentrate into one scene in particular, but uh, I think that's the thing that is most that this movie is most successful. I mean, really, the only characters that return are Rocky, Pauly, Duke, Little Marie, Little Marie. Yes, that's true. Um, different actress, but yeah. still, and a different actor playing Robert. Obviously, uh, well, not obviously. They could have brought Sage Stallone back, but I think. I think I get the sense that Stallone didn't want people reading into, you know, Rocky's relationship with his son. And I, yeah. I, I can't imagine if he had cast Sage Stallone, everyone would been like, are you just playing out your father-son <laughs> right. relationship? Because that's kind of how it feels the way it's written. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't want to assume anything. But, you know, we've talked about how Stallone tends to write Rocky movies and make them about whatever he's going through in his life at the time. Yeah. And I think it's pretty clear that this is how Stallone felt and his career was in a horrible slump and feeling like he was useless and all that. I'm sure this is all stuff that he was feeling. I think probably why this feels so authentic is because it's, this is Stallone right pouring you his know. heart out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I wonder, I don't want to assume, but I wonder how much of that relationship between Rocky and his son is inspired by Stallone's. I mean, it's, it's I, I don't want to assume that in particular because Sage Stallone has sadly passed away and, you know, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but you've done it before, but that's okay. Well, I did it before and then regretted it. Mostly about Paul Walker before I had seen the Fast and Furious movies. And then I saw those movies and I'm like, oh, Paul Walker's awesome. I, I fully I, regret bad-mouthing Paul Walker. <laughs> it's only because he made a movie called Running Scared, and I resented him for it because the 80s Running Scared is great. Is Fast 9 coming out this year? I, I'm sure it's been delayed. I know, but okay. All right. Well, I, don't, I don't think it was even scheduled, scheduled to come out this year. I think it was scheduled for 2021, and then I think it got pushed back. I was, the, you know, in hindsight... I was a little disappointed because we we do get brought you know kind of forward on a lot of a lot of the characters. Yeah, um, it's actually the biggest gap in the series because it's a sixteen year jump forward in time, <laughs> and after this, Creed was nine years later. So actually, you know, when you take this the series, which has been going almost continuously from nineteen seventy six to or seventy five seventy six. 76. 76, yes. The, se- the bicentennial. That, that, right, was, right, yeah, yeah. that was what uh, Apollo Creed needed. Yes, I'm wearing the shirt you got. Yes. The bicentennial shirt. Oh, fantastic. I didn't notice I'm, that. I'm usually not. not a t-shirt guy, yeah. but I'm, it's, it's hot. So, <laughs> That's, you know, I'm normally wearing two layers of shirt. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, from 76 until present, the series has basically been going, except for the longest gap being 16 years. So it's interesting that we've been gone this long, and now we've got to get caught up. Yeah. It's probably the most but you know unique what movie in the series in that sense. Failed to bring us up today. We get brought up to date on Little Marie, Robert, Seiko. We never get an answer <laughs> on Seiko. You're never going to get an answer to Seiko. Well, I can I can tell you, if the, if there was ever a movie to do it, it was Creed 2, and I'm sorry to spoil you, that you don't get a Seiko update on, in Creed 2. You get an Ivan Drago, you, play, you learn what, what Ivan Drago's been up to, but, but nothing Seiko. on Seiko. Nope. Sorry to tell you. So if you were ever going to get it, that was your opportunity. <laughs> then you know what? Basically I, a sequel to Rocky IV. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I'm going to say this right now. Missed opportunity. Uh, I agree, but, you know, some things have to fall by the wayside. We don't know, we don't know what Clubber Lang's been up to, so you're not going to get Seiko. Actually, it's fun. I... I I'm kind of disappointed because, in a way, I, th- I think actually there would have been a great opportunity to 
in this movie to bring you up to date on Clubber Lang. Yeah, I agree. You learn what Mike Tyson's up to. Well, that's all. That's you could have thrown him right in there. That's my point. Clubber Lang could have either been there, or you could have him as a ring commentator. You, it would have been easy. And I'm yeah. gonna guess Mr. T would have done it if. Yeah, he would have done it. I mean, Mr. T. Anyway, uh, I don't remember if we talked about this on the Rocky Three episode or if we, if we talked about it at all. But Mr. T very quickly became kind of a cultural punchline. Oh, I know we did because we, we yeah, I thought so. Treat your mother right and all that. Yeah, stuff. you know, well, like, we watched the Key and Peel, which was oh yes, yeah, of course, yes, we did talk. about it. I forgot we watched that. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, it's tough to bring Mr. T back because he's such a punchline now. I understand, but whatever. The point being. I feel like between this movie and it sounds like basically the you know between Creed and then Creed Two, you get brought up to date on basically everybody but Clubber Lang. Yeah, basically, and poor Seiko. And we got an update on Spider Rico, so I guess if you're yes. gonna get updates on Spider Rico, no, no minor character is. No, uh, Clubber Lang was way more of a focal point than Spider Rico. Yeah, was. for sure. No, I, w- I would love at some point. I, well, we're, we're kind of off topic now, but uh, I don't know what's going on with Creed Three. I, I don't even think they're even pre-production or had a script written or anything i think it's is there was there a plan for a creed 3 they, they want to make a creed 3 i know michael b jordan has said okay like yeah i think i think the question is uh because uh i'm gonna try to not spoil creed 2 for you but because stallone ended up directing the rocky movies i think the, the idea is michael G. b jordan is holding out to direct creed 3 he's like i want to direct creed 3 and you can't make these without me and i think Creed 2 did pretty well so uh, possibly better than the first one. I'm not sure, but uh, I think it did pretty well enough that the studio wants to make a sequel. And I think Michael B. Jordan's the one being like, "You're not making it unless I direct it." <laughs> I don't know if you see the title. My name's in the title. <laughs> yes. Well, my character's, character's name, name is in the title. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm I'm hopeful. I think they'll make a Creed three eventually. I mean, obviously with the COVID pandemic going on, everything's up in the air. Yeah. But. Um, but I know he had said, Michael B. Jordan had said in an interview, it would be cool to fight, you know, Clever Lang's son, because they did Ivan Drago's son in Creed 2, and so it's like, maybe we could do that. It was thrown out as an idea. So maybe you'll get your wish. Yeah, maybe. You, you, All we'll, right. We'll get a Clever Lang. So, uh, yeah, with, uh, I don't know how much, you know, you want to cover the, da- I, I think we do need to cover Marie for sure, uh, Little Marie, because that's filling, I, I don't know, in some ways it felt like it's, Filling in the gap, but also, I guess, having somebody to remind Rocky of, of Adrian. I mean, I, I guess that's that's the point. Yeah, I think he's he's got his little world, and he never ventures out of it. Uh, you know, he he's got his he's got the restaurant Adrian's, which I I, I remember seeing it at the time. But like that's that makes total sense of where yes. Rocky would be in his life. He he and Adrian opened up a restaurant, and then she passed away, and now he's running this restaurant and. Kind of running it out of habit, it feels like. It doesn't feel like he really loves being in the restaurant business. He doesn't hate it either. But it feels like, you know, he's telling the same stories over and over. And he's got, you know, his his son who he's, he's got a very distant relationship with. But who's doing pretty well, it seems. Yeah. He's got some uh, a white-collar job of nebulous uh, something to do with numbers that he should I, be raising. I, I got that. I- <laughs> I got that question for you. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll t- I, there's enough clues. It's some kind of accounting or finance thing. I get the sense. Although I saw some description, I forget, on Wikipedia. Somewhere it said that he was an attorney, which I didn't get that from what we see. That doesn't make any sense to me. We'll, we'll get there. Okay. I've got some well, We can talk about that later. But yeah, he's got his son. He's got uh, Polly, And that's about it. And, you know, he visits... Well, he's got Spider Rico. And Spider Rico, who has just started mooching off of his restaurant. He's, yeah, a, he's a guest. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think the Marie thing is kind of it's it's a it's a sign that he wants he's he's getting to a point where he f- wants to do something new. Right. I mean, even if it's Get a tiny thing like oh Marie of his routine, yeah, exactly. 
Because, yeah, there's a scene. Well, I mean, let's back up a little bit because it starts with. I mean, first it starts with Mason Dixon establishing he's the champ, and um, boxing fans are very upset that he's not fighting worthy opponents. <laughs> To the point where Larry Merchant from HBO is just tearing him a new one. Right after the first minute of this movie, it's like, <laughs> when will someone come and... <laughs> they pelting him with ice. Yeah, pelting him with ice. I don't understand. I, that's one of my... I'm like, talk about unfair. What is, it's not his fault that there's a bunch of chumps. Yeah, I think one of them... One of the, I think it's Larry Merchant. One of the HBO guys is just like... You know, through no fault of his own, he just has no one to fight, and he's taking the blame. Something Here is- come the pretzels. <laughs> We we can take solace that they're they're not pretzels. There's no like poor pretzel merchants <laughs> in the stands. Right. You know, it's just ice. So no and, one's making their living selling ice. No. And Mason Dixon does not get injured yeah. with his leg twisted back because he got pelted with pretzels. We call them Dixon whackers. <laughs> yeah, anyway. I mean, I I felt kind of bad right at the outset. Yeah, Mason Dixon is an interesting opponent because he's not sympathetic the way like Tommy Gunn begins and uh, even Apollo to a degree. Uh, but he's not like a, a. He's not a villain. He's either. not a villain. He's just kind of he, there. He, what's funny is that as dumb as the the name is, Mason the Line Dixon. In some ways, the character construction is poetic. <laughs> yes, yes. He that's how that's how we use him in our scale, and that's exactly what it is. He's just the middle of the road. He's, it is so poetic. He's yeah. not villainous, but he is an antagonist. Right? Yeah, I mean, he's he's occasionally antagonistic towards Rocky, but right. only because he's resentful of the fact that his man was making yeah, him yeah, fight this fight. fight. Him and nobody nobody seems to like Mason Dixon, but no, through no fault of his own. Right. If anything, I kindly I shaded a little bit to sympathy. Yeah. Because it's like it's not his cre- he doesn't seem like he's actually a jerk. There's a few little things like it, at the press conference he starts kind of like being very boastful and be like, I, you know, you get me mad and I hurt this guy, you know, and what you, know, you got to stop pissing me off because this guy's going to get hurt, stuff like that. But yeah, not openly villainous. And at the end, I think he has the perfect. The line is perfect yeah. for him. I, I definitely remember when we saw it in theaters and the, oh Mason the Line Dixon. And my eyes rolled as far back in my head as possible. <laughs> this is his name, Mason the Line Dixon. I've gotten used to it now. I was just like, yeah, sure. I mean, we've said it, you know, in our ratings so many times. Yes. I think I've just, it's just become, he has become the wallpaper that he is and as a character. It's just, I've stopped thinking about it as a dumb name. When we do our uh, recap of this season, we're going to have our silly Stallone names. And Mason the Line Dixon is high on the list. <laughs> it is one of the sillier Stallone character names. Without a doubt. But, you know, you, like I said, you're used to it. Anyway, yeah, and we catch up with, with uh, I almost call him Stallone. We catch up with Rocky. And, you know, he's visiting Adrian's grave, and like I said, he and Robert have a distant relationship for reasons that I feel like could have been made clearer, but, you know, it's been it's, 16 years, hard to say. Yeah, I don't think it's made clear really at all. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels kind of like, you get the sense that Adrian kind of held that family together, and now that she's gone... It's certainly not Pauly. Yeah, oh no. He's driving the family apart, if anything. <laughs> yes. He was kind of stoking the fire in Rocky Five when uh, Rocky and Robert were fighting. Yeah. He was, he's mad about his girlfriend robot being gone. <laughs> sure, I guess. And being forced to uh, play Santa Claus. Santa Claus. This is coming up more often on the Rocky Balboa episode than it did on Rocky Five. I do love that scene where he's Santa Claus. Anyway, yeah, so the, I guess it's the, the anniversary of Adrian's death, I think, is the implication. Yeah, because he goes through a, another routine, and he goes to all the old haunts, if you will. Yeah, and I like this scene for two reasons, the sequence, because... We visit all of the places in Rocky 1 that were significant to Rocky and Adrian's uh, relationship. relationship. Yeah, exactly. Whatever, yeah. Um, so that's smart to just kind of get it out of the way and also call attention. Because Paulie's the one being like, you can't keep doing this. You're living in the past. And I think the movie is kind of on Paulie's side here of just like, 
Rocky's one of the reasons why Rocky's kind of stuck is because he's. I mean, obviously he's still grieving. I mean, after five movies of us watching Rocky and Adrian together, it, it's it's still it's very sad. Uh, but I do think the movie is intentionally getting this stuff out of the way so that it can move on with the story as opposed to just making the whole thing like remember this thing from Rocky One. Yeah. It's all up front. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really smart. And also I think it's really smart of Stallone to show restraint and not just make it a Rocky nostalgia fest in general. It's specifically, I mean, obviously it makes sense from Rocky's character's point of view where he's revisiting the places that were significant for him and Adrian. But like, for instance, they could have gone to the steps, you know, his, his like nostalgia tour could have taken him. Oh, it's the steps where I used to run up these steps. It has nothing to do with Adrian. Yeah. I could see a version of this movie where they're, well, they're, let's just, let's, let's have him visit the steps. It's a place that's a significant place to him and they don't do it. And I think that's good and smart. It shows a certain amount of restraint, I think, that it wouldn't have made sense for him to go there. I'm glad they didn't try to cram it in or like try to make some kind Shoehorn of... Shoehorn Well, we passed the steps on the way from the ice rink to this other place, so let's stop and oh, let's climb the steps. You know, I mean, it saves it for the training that time yeah. also, obviously. Uh, yeah, and then we just kind of get caught up on Rocky's life, the restaurant... Uh, he's telling a lot of stories, and then uh, well, yeah, his last stop on that that tour is where he goes. I you'll oh, you'll, yeah, yeah, you'll yeah. know the name of the thank bar. You. I'm lucky, ter- lucky seven. Yes, there thank you, you. And that's where he eventually meets Little Marie, and maybe the <laughs> most annoying. Oh, I know clientele. I mean, he says like, oh, neighborhoods changed. I, I would not hang out at that bar with that clientele. Neither would I. That, that, they are. Uh, I mean, late, later in the movie, the place is packed. I presume because people are there to watch the fight. And those, those that group is there also, but uh, luckily they're being outnumbered at that point. Yes. Yeah, one of the most uh, obnoxious characters in movie history. This this girl comes by. I, hey, you're him. I don't think she even knows his name. She's kind of like, oh, you're famous. I'm just gonna pester you because I know you're famous. I don't necessarily know why. And then that that should entitle me to a free drink. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, buy around. Not just her. her oh, old, that's old right. Four. It was around. Buys around. Yeah, and then she he just kind of like he, she's grabbing him and he just kind of like gently takes her. You know. Oh, and he, but he's he's like, oh, what's your name? He actually t- tries to, t- to engage her. Yes. He's not rude to her. Yeah, she's just. Is this your man? Oh, so bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those people exist. I, I mean, know. I, that's. I don't think that's too much of an exaggeration no. of how. I'm sure that's based on, a, on an interaction that Sylvester Stallone had at some point. <laughs> it reminds me. Uh, you've never seen King of Comedy, have you? You should. You need no. to see it if not. You know, it's it's. it's just, but it's, haven't I though? Because I've seen Joker. That's true. <laughs> it is very. Yeah, there's just a lot of similarities. But I don't think this scene is in Joker, and it's not really a spoiler. It's just like an offhanded thing that happens where uh, Jerry Lewis, I forget the character he plays. He's basically playing Jerry Lewis, a talk show host version, like a mix between Jerry Lewis and Johnny Carson. And uh, some woman, oh, you're, you're Jerry whatever. He's playing Jerry something. You're Jerry whatever. It's like, oh, nice to meet you. you know, and, oh, can I, can I stop? Because she's on like a payphone. She's like, can you talk to my mother? She's on the phone. Like, I'm really, I'm in a hurry. And this woman just goes. You should get cancer. I hope you get cancer. Oh just turns on a dime. And this this scene of Rocky oh my, yeah, reminds me of that. that. That's always the scene I think of when you like have a scene like this of like a celebrity encounter going gone wrong. Well, very wrong. I do like the way this movie depicts Rocky's level of celebrity. Like he he's not getting mobbed. He he can walk around and every like forty seconds like oh hey Rocky. Somebody you, recognizes him, but yes, it's not. He's not particularly getting stopped a lot. No, like you see him assign an autograph or two, but like right because he would have faded at this point. Yeah, I, mean, I think not, it makes not, total sense where he's at. In makes terms of sense, his but also just the sport too, right? I mean, boxing isn't nearly as prevalent. Sure, uh, certainly not as prevalent today, but even back then, and he would have been the champ 
you know, in the 1980s, who, you know, it, right. it makes sense that in Philadelphia, he's still remembered, but not by that many. Yeah. I mean, there was a statue to this guy, you know, it was taken down, we learned in this movie. <laughs> That's another great line from Paul. Yeah. Well, you upset the <laughs> your statue. Yeah, and Rocky's like, not really. He's still, you can tell he's a little upset about it. <laughs> I would be too if I had a statue and somebody took it down. Yeah, I wonder where the statue actually was at this point. I should have looked that up. Because at some point it was at the Philadelphia Spectrum, and then they moved it to the bottom of the steps. I'll bet at this point it was at the Spectrum. I but think, I think I, in the reality yeah. of the movie, it's just gone. Gone. Right? They just took it down. Yeah, and Creed it comes back. and that, it's, it, it's, it's where it actually is in Creed, at the bottom of the steps. Yeah. Um, what was I saying? What were, what were we talking about? Oh, I was going to say, like, I wonder if like, you followed like Sugar Ray Leonard around. It would probably be pretty similar. Like, I could see that. You know, he was, a, he was like a, what, a middleweight champ or whatever in like the early 80s. Yeah. You know, he's like, you know, I know who he is. I probably would recognize him if I saw him, but I'll bet you he, he walks around just fine and no one like really. Hey, I'm trying him. to think of like you know boxers that are relative you know relatively recent, Vladimir Klitschko or something like that. Yeah, so somebody like that, or not even just a heavyweight. Why am I? I don't think I even know what he looks like. I don't know if I do either. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Like Conor McGregor, he's probably he's still pretty famous. But yeah. That's not boxing. Like no. that's one of the things that you know a guy like him is more famous than any boxer today. So right. it's like because yeah. UFC is completely displaced boxing. I think boxing at its height is way bigger than UFC ever is or will be. But that's just like the fragmenting of all media and sports in general yeah. and stuff like that. So uh, Little Marie is tendon bar at at the bar. Yeah, and he offers a driver. He, he, they remember each other. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, uh, there, it's funny because there was a deleted scene in Rocky Five. I don't think we talked about it where she was supposed to be in Rocky Five. Little Marie, I think, played by the same actress. That played in the original Rocky. The, yeah, from the original. And she was, like, homeless or something. It was, like, much, much sadder. So I'm, it's, it, was a, it was a good character to choose. To be like, oh, some random character from the series, and now she's back. Well, like, it's in my notes of the little details, but she has one of the all-time great lines. But screw you, creepo. Screw you, creepo. I mean, well, some insults you never forget. That's right. It's one of the worst insults of all time. <laughs> I will say, you know, he told her to quit smoking, and he never seen Marie smoking in this movie, so I think, I think it stuck. But yeah, I mean, there's a friendship striking up. There's like little hints that it may become romantic, but never really reaches critical mass. I mean, he does say, oh, you know. A little bit. He, my he, wife's gone, but she's not really yeah, gone. I, I do think they do a good job of trying to quell that because that's not something that needed to be unpacked in this movie. It's just to be, I think the hints are enough that yeah. he's trying to move on, but he's not ready for that. And you can't do that in this movie because eventually it's a Rocky movie. We're going to need a third of this movie to be a, a boxing match. Sure. So yeah. there's just no way to, to really ever get if Rock really was ready to move on. My sense is they shot it like a, a variety of ways. So that it's hinting more at romantic relationship. And this is probably the one of the most paired back. Yeah. I think that was the way to go. I, yeah. think it's the right I don't yeah. as a Rocky fan. I don't want to see Rocky with anybody else. Like no. I don't, you don't want to see him with another woman, even if uh, Adrian's passed away. And it's like, Four years is not a very long time. I mean, obviously, they would have been married. The Gravestone says 2002. They got married in 76, so they would have been married 26 years or whatever that is. It's a long time. Yeah, it's a long time. A long time. So, you know. Uh, anyway, yeah, and so there's the, the Looney Tunes fight, which is it's kind of a deus ex machina. It's all, you know, the, the story's going on, and all of a sudden, it's like ESPN decided for some reason that Mason Dixon and Rocky Bobo are going to have a computer cartoon fight. 
it is kind of out of nowhere. I mean, it's the one conceit of this movie of just like this is the thing that sparks the whole story, and it's just like why did why are, why is ESPN doing this? What's, What's the reason for this? Today, I could see why ESPN like literally today yeah, today yes in COVID. I, oh man, we need something. Hey, you remember that Muhammad Ali? Yeah, well, let's let's crank up the computer and let's get some boxing man. You've literally stolen a note from my technology segment. Is <laughs> COVID related? Uh, yeah, sports channels twenty four hours. Sports Anything, channels and <laughs> desperate for content. The you know, Chicago Bulls have dominated. <laughs> We're broadcasting the top eight video game, the most popular video games. There's no more video games to broadcast. We need to find something else. Yeah, and like replays of uh, sporting events. You know what's funny? I was driving around the other day uh, um, and the sports radio, local sports radio, was just sh- playing some random Cubs game from who knows when. I only caught the middle of it. And just as I tuned in, they were talking about. Sylvester Stallone. Come on. Someone was like, uh, "What was that movie with Sylvester Stallone and uh, Robert De Niro?" And someone's like, "Copland." And they're like, "No, no, they were boxers. They were like, they were retired boxers." And then one of the broadcasters just like, "Why would they call?" It was like this weird misunderstanding where someone's like, "Why would they call a movie about boxers Copland?" Like, no, there was another movie. Where they were both in the movie. <laughs> So I hope so, because that doesn't make any sense. It was just like this weird who's on first, where they were like getting confused about what, what movie Sylvester Stallone and Robert De Niro were both in. I'm not doing it justice, because it was like, it went on for like a minute and a half of just like, no, what was it called? It was, it was not called Copland. He's like, no, but there was a movie called Copland. So wait, there is a movie called Copland or the boxers? No, no, it's a different movie. It was just this whole uh, comedy of errors. I was listening to the radio going like, I don't even know what year this game's from, but it was this most bizarre coincidence. Oh, that's perfect. Uh, yeah, anyway, the cartoon fight. It is out of nowhere, and the simulation says, in his prime, old Rocco takes down Mason the Lion. That's right. And two out of three analysts. Don't forget that. That's right. I was at Stan. I think uh, I love the fact that the I never would have guessed if you had told me line them, you know, line them up and tell which is right. The old guy from Ring Magazine. Yeah, there's no way I would have guessed because I didn't (laughs) remember when we saw this that he's the one who would go went with Mason the Lion Dixon. Yeah. I'm glad. So that, I kind of like that they played that against that type. That the old guy didn't actually side with Rock. Sure, and they, uh, Stallone could have depicted it as well, obviously Rocky is better. Like you know, the, the, we've. I think this is at a point where Stallone was a little less, a little full, less full of himself at other points of his career, or maybe he would have written it so that Rocky clearly superior. You know, so I'm glad they at least had somebody be like, let's have a dissenting opinion here. A dissent, and I liked that the dissenting opinion was not the old guy like commiserate. He was yeah. probably the most likely to have watched more Balboa fight than anybody else up there. Oh, that's true, yeah, for sure. He's probably covering him. Yeah. But then later, there's Skip Bayless, who... <laughs> it's the role he was born to play, an asshole on television. <laughs> I can't deny it, yeah. but you're right. Am I wrong? No. Yeah. In a word? Yes. I can't believe he agreed... I mean, I, I can believe it because it's Skip Bayless, but I can't believe that uh, he agreed to be depicted in that way. Of just the most awful human being. What does this restaurant serve? Pounded chicken? You're talking about Rocky Balboa. And also, why are you judging Rocky Balboa for a computer fight? I, I, I already hated Skip Bayless, and I went, well, okay, good on you, Skip Bayless, for being willing to be depicted so horribly. But also, I don't know if you realize how accurate this is. I was kind of shocked at that. I forgot that Skip Bayless is in this movie. I went like, wow. I, Even for a, say, a fictional Skip Bayless, this is ridiculous. The only thing that it needed was a, a, 
you could have added a Jim Rome. That 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 would have sure, added yeah. too of him like piling on. You get Max Kellerman, so that's pretty close. That's that's true. You get the ESPN mid two thousands all stars, basically a lot of them anyway. Yeah. Now Max Kellerman, I used to dislike him, but I like I think you know he knows his boxing and he's mostly a boxing guy. So when he was trying to cover other sports, it's just like you know what, shut up, Max Kellerman. But when he's covering boxing, he knows something. His stuff. He knows. Yeah. And it makes sense that he's in this movie. I like how he's like kind of like fanboying. I'm like I'm covering uh, a Rocky Balboa. Something on that. Oh, okay. Um. We're yeah. getting ahead of ourselves, yeah. Yeah, so the computer simulation, Mason is... <laughs> talk about... You know, I kind of feel bad. You know, the guy, he's getting ice thrown at him. It's not his fault. <laughs> yeah. And then, as you said, ESPN, for no reason other than I speculate... You know, was it his like? It, was it his handler and managers? And did they did they like oh. try and poke this? Maybe that was a question that I had. Because yeah. honestly, this poor Mason Dixon, I feel bad for him. He's fighting anybody that's out there that's worth anything. And then ESPN comes and then just adds fuel to the fire. There's nothing. There's no upside in that for for Mason. Right? He can't fight Rocky in his prime because the guy is fifty some years old. Sure. And then this computer says that he'd lose. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's an undefeated heavyweight champion, and now everyone's treating him like a loser. Yeah. That's, it is so unfair. It's patently unfair. <laughs> to the point where if I'm if I'm actually his business manager, I say, I'm suing ESPN. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Who asked you, ESPN? Arbitrarily. And the, well, the funny thing to me is ESPN airs this, this you know, f- it's computer like fight. sports center. And then, yeah, it's, it's depicted as like a week later. They're still talking about it. Like, well, people are really talking about this. It's like, you're, you're the you, one who's talking about yes, it. You created <laughs> you this. You created this fictional fight. People, this is a controversial fight. And we're going to talk about it like it really happened. <laughs> yeah, and that's when you get uh, Skip Bayless. Anyway, yeah, I, it is unfair. I, I There is one moment that I noted when they're talk- you're seeing the three before they actually show the the CGI fight, they're they're asking the analysts. I think it's the second guy who talks and he says, "Oh no, Rocky Balboa, he's got more hearts, he's going to win." And then one of uh, Mason Dixon's crew, they're watching it on TV. He turns around and looks at Mason Dixon so sympathetically, like, "Oh, I'm sorry, man." Like it is the sweetest moment. Like they're just <laughs> his friend is being talked to and he is he looks so bad. So like, it it's good I didn't notice it, but then it's, it's good to know that like they're not just all hangers on. Like maybe that actually looks like a friend and he kind of feels bad. Yeah, that one guy, it was it was, it was a very genuine moment. Like it was a very sweet moment. It's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> it's a guy with like long sideburns. Just... This ESPN cartoon, <laughs> right, is lampooning you, and nobody asked for this. ESPN did this unprovoked. Yeah, absolutely. And a knockout too. They showed. If you want to think of it, like the computer says this. Here's cold logical facts. But no, they they they, they went to the trouble of animating it. ESPN hired like an animation house to be like, we're going to animate this. We're not just going to tell you. Computer said this. Here's the results. <laughs> You know, we're going to go to the trouble of animating it. And then to show Rocky Balboa clocking Mason Dixon, Mason Dixon going down to the mat. Yeah, it's humiliating. There's no doubt about it. Totally unprovoked. I, I am much more sympathetic now that we're talking through it towards Mason Dixon than I was before. Because, <laughs> yeah, what a horrible position. And, and the it's press, a no-win position for him. Someone brings it up in the press conference. One of the press is just like, you know, best-case scenario, you beat an old man. Worst-case scenario, you're the joke of the decade. <laughs> There's no, you can't win. But in the end, he does kind of because I mean, Rocky, he, Rocky, he decides to apply for a boxing license again in part because the boxing match, it was it was the it was the kind of the spark. Yeah, well, but it was more the kind of pushback against that where it was it was Skip Bayless mostly being like pounded chicken. <laughs> really, none of this happens if Skip Bayless isn't an asshole. <laughs> 
Because that's what makes Rocky want to uh, get a, a boxing license. Would have been better if Rock would have boxed Skip Bayless. <laughs> would have been better. I'd pay money for that. For that. Uh, How many pay-per-view buys for that one, business manager? I haven't watched ESPN regularly in at least eight years, so I shouldn't be picking on Skip Bayless. For yes, all you, I know, he's yes, he's a changed man. <laughs> I have no idea, but yeah. Based on what I remember of Skip Bayless, I'm not going to feel any guilty. Can we about. play this out for a minute? Here's what I'd like. Here's what I want the computers at ESPN to simulate. Rocky Balboa versus Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith. That's what sure. I want, is to see the pounding that Rocky Balboa would give them. Oh, yeah. And most people would pay to see those two just get pounded. Speaking, speaking of uh, professional wrestling, it's like one of those classic handicap matches. Under the Giant versus like two five foot ten guys. Yes. All right. So he does apply for a boxing license uh, in Pennsylvania, not in Las Vegas, where they ultimately fight. Uh, and eventually, after he gives a uh, Al Pacino-like performance in Injustice for All, <laughs> justice prevails. That's your takeaway of that scene? I actually, I, th- I think it's a good performance. Oh, so that, that's the scene that did not age well for me. Really? Is that scene? Why not? I think it has more. I am not going to criticize Stallone's performance. Period. I think he's great from beginning to end in this movie. But I think the writing in that scene is not good. I think mm. that's that's the weakest scene in this movie, and I, I actually would say one of the weaker scenes in the series. Hmm. I mean, I'm not going to say that it's like one of my favorites, but I and I'm sure I've gotten some of my notes on the little details. I I think that there's some some valid points. And I, some of the stuff of like you know what they they wrote the Constitution, you know, down. There's always very confused about all that stuff. Yeah, it's a little bit over the top. But no, I'm look, I'm with Rock on it, and it's go- a, it's just too nebulous and too vague. Is, is they're it not talking be. about anything in particular? We, let's just talk about it now because yeah. I think I okay, think, it, uh, let, let's go. But I I I have like a legitimate. I have a legitimate question on that. Would you so, rather save it? We can save it. No, we can talk about it now. Let me just find my question. You you, you go and let me find well, my question. Well, I think my objection is that the the commission, the boxing commission, doesn't really give any valid reason. No. Okay, that's exactly what I want to get to the bottom of. But I think that's a fault of the screenplay as much as it is the boxing commission. Like, I think Stallone needed... it. it, it it's a straw man is what it comes down to. They're just like, well, you pass all your medical exams, which, by the way, another disappearing malady from Rocky V. <laughs> Suddenly his brain injury is gone. Whatever. There's many maladies that have disappeared. Yeah, his eye is fine. His brain is fine. Everything's fine. He's good to go and get in the ring. Not even a mention of like, <laughs> oh, we know that we, last movie we said that you should never fight again, that you could die. Eh, it doesn't matter anymore. It's good. They could have they could have hand waved it away like oh that that you know it was medical a technology yes has yeah, advanced and now we can we know yeah. more you don't want to make it so that you have to have seen Rocky Five to understand Rocky Balboa you know so I, I understand right. why they ignored it no but my my criticism is they don't give a valid reason they just say well you pass later tests but we can't in good conscience they just say we can't in good conscience yeah. license you which. I think Stallone needed to actually have them have a reason so that he could fight against that reason and have a. I mean, he's he is he's justified to be upset and he's justified to fight back and say, but it should have the argument should have been, why? What is your reason? And oh, you can't give me a reason, then you need to license me. Like that that should have been the argument. But instead, it's just like you don't have the right to tell me no. It's like, well, yes, they do. This is their job to tell you. Is that, that is their rights. They, they have the legal right, right to tell you no. I think So what the screenplay, I think, should have been is here's the reason, you know, you, you could get seriously hurt. You're very old and you could die and we can't, you know, and, and he should have said, well, this is my decision and I'm the one putting my own safety. It should have been about the specifics of the issue as opposed to just like, we can't in good kind. It's, it's just too vague. And I, I understand, like... The scene could have been better, and it could have been more clear, you know, a more clear kind of message of 
what, this bureaucracy shouldn't be keeping me from pursuing my passion, which is something I totally agree with. But it doesn't feel like that's what that movie's about. It, feel, it feels, the way it's written, it feels like Rocky being entitled a little bit. Because there's no, there's no real logic behind it. It's, it's the equivalent of being like, well, you denied me for my pilot's license, but I'm going to follow my, I should be, have the right to fly this plane. You know, because the scene doesn't have enough specifics. Right, you might have convinced me. It, ha- it, it has that feel to me of like, th- their job is to provide these licenses, and if they don't give one to you, I mean, in the end they do, he convinces them, but I'm not convinced as a viewer that they would be convinced based on him going, well, the Bill of Rights, and, you know, whatever. I agree with you. That that would not convince them. My struggle was, I think, the struggle you had is that their lies. We can't in good conscience. Well, no, Rock should be furious. You're right. It's yeah. a weakness that his argument should have been. You're not giving me a reason. You're not yeah. giving any specific. Just reason. say I'm too old. Right? I mean, you know, right. Whatever. Whatever the good conscience is, yeah. and that was frustrating. That, they don't right. even say that. They just say we can't in good conscience. You passed every medical test, but you can't, we can't in good conscience. That's all they say. Also, I think that guy playing the head is maybe the worst actor in the history of the series. A series that it contains. Ex- Athletes, ex nightclub bouncers, sports writers like Skip Bayless. I think that guy, the, the, the guy at the head of the uh, licensing board, is the worst actor in the history of the series. <laughs> what right do you think you mean? That guy's awful. He is such a bad actor. No, you mean the Bill of Rights. No, that's the Constitution. He takes like a little breath between every syllable. Right. What right do you think you mean? Here's the important thing. Rocky gets a license. He does, yes. That is the important thing. The idea of the scene is sound. It should, yes. I think it should have been better written. That's all. And Mason's business managers are still desperate. And we get the perfect bookend because Apollo Creed was desperate to fight somebody. And Mason Dixon is desperate to fight somebody for marketing purposes really more than anything else. The way it's presented, it does feel similar in the sense that they come to Rocky and they're like, well, you know, now that you're licensed, you know. Uh, we want to, we want to have this exhibition. I do like where they're like a portion of the gate's going to go to charity. It's like what portion? Zero is a portion. <laughs> it's the most vague thing ever. Actually, I, I didn't have that, but that is very fair. And a those portion. guys, those guys seem like they would be totally fine you know, pitching just, a portion. It's so disingenuous. <laughs> oh, it's good to do good things. Whatever, whatever AJ Benza says. Yeah, it's, it's so disingenuous. It's it's very clear that this is just uh, you know a little, a little bit more bait on the hook for Rocky. Yeah. Oh, a portion will go to charity. 0.01% is a portion. Not only that, they didn't say what charity. Yeah, that's it. It could easily be like some bogus charity right. that they set up. Yeah, the charity that uh, <laughs> my boathouse charity. Um, no, but I was going to say, and he's, uh, Rocky's like, well, where is this fight? And they're like, oh, it's in Las Vegas at Mandalay Bay. And it's like, well, the, the fight is set up before you even offered it to Rocky. So it does feel like some other fight was set up similar to the first movie. And they had to like scramble or something. I don't know if they had to scramble. They, I think they realized that this is the better marketing opportunity because they maybe were setting up a fight. And the pay-per-view, they're like, no, we're not. We won't be able to sell this through. So we're, we, don't, we don't want this fight. Wait, meaning unless they do it at Mandalay Bay? No, meaning like, yes, they might have had an opponent lined up. But then when they got like the data feedback from like pay-per-view, oh. they're like, this isn't going to sell enough. We're not interested. And they're like, crap, we got to find somebody that's, right, that right. can actually sell tickets. And sell pay-per-view prescriptions, and that's when they're like, oh, look at this. Balboa's got a boxing license. Let's right. see if we can get him to fill the card in Mandalay Bay. The, the promoters booked the, the arena and booked everything, and then, yeah, the, paper, the, the pay-per-view rejected. They're like, this is garbage. We're not selling this. Yeah, is, I guess... I guess the, I don't think that's how it actually works, though. Probably not, yeah. I, 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 but, I mean, that's kind of how it's presented, because there's a scene with Mason Dixon and those guys. And, like, all, all the guys you want to fight, no one's buying, you know, the pay-per-view isn't going for it. So I guess it, it, that's kind of the way it's presented. 
But yeah, w- would the venue have been booked before they've got an opponent? Probably not. No, but since that's where he lives now is in Vegas, that also makes, you know. Yeah, well, it was for practical production purposes. That was where they could film it. Yeah, because a real boxing. They were filming yeah. right after a real boxing match. I think it was before, but yes. I mean, yeah. It, it, uh, yeah, the production values they get from that, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. When you watch the first, and especially on the bu- the budget that they had, yeah, it's really well put together. When you watch the first Rocky movie and they're just fighting in a void, like a clearly empty arena, just, just the lights are down. They're, listen to the sound of the crowd. Don't look back there. Just listen to the sound. Yeah, this movie is it's a full. Mandalay Bay is full. Yeah, I mean, obviously not every shot. There's a couple you can kind of tell it's a green screen, but not many. And it's it's no, it's got a it's, it's got a real fight. Yeah. Fight night feel. Yeah. Well, let's get to it, because, I mean, he eventually agrees. There's friction with uh, Robert. Robert is embarrassed, so that's my other gripe about this movie, is I don't like the way that conflict is written. Eh, it feels a little tacked on. More so than tacked on, I just don't think Stallone is interested in getting Robert's point of view. I think Stallone... He's made up his mind. Yeah. Yeah. Stallone, the screenwriter, has set it up so that this is all Robert's fault, <laughs> which kind of annoys me, because it's like, you know, <laughs> you know, when we talked about Rocky V, I liked the way that movie... There's a point in that movie where Rocky apologizes and says, you're right, I haven't been the best husband and father. And I wish that was also, there was an element of that here. Because here it just feels like Rocky is just demanding that Robert bend to his will. And Robert does, and everything's fine. It's like, well, is this really, I mean, Robert is written as kind of a whiny guy. And again, it's all written, like Robert isn't really writing, he's not raising the concerns that I think he should and would be. Robert's just like, this is embarrassing for me. It's like, he should be saying, you could you die. die. Yes. And at no point does he say that. So I just don't like the way that's the, the character is written. As, as presented, Rocky is totally in the right. But I wish it had been presented in a way that yeah, was a little the, more three-dimensional. And the thing is, is, you could do it the three-dimensional path that's probably more realistic and better written and still have Rocky push back. Oh, sure. And the reason being is because he's willing to take the risk. And I think you we didn't we didn't touch on it, but maybe I can here. That he's even got the example of, you know, time is passing us by, and I'd rather like take the risk because you've got it with Paulie, right? Paulie says that this is all he's got. You know, he can't help train him because he's got his job, you know, at the at the uh, slaughterhouse. Yeah. And he's like, This is all I got, Rocco, and I, I can't lose that. And eventually it's forced upon him because they give him his last check. Yeah. So you could then have it, it's like, no, I'm not gonna have I'm going to go out my own way is what I think Rocky could say, even to the legitimate concerns. You could die. He's like, that's okay. Like, I, I'm okay. I've accepted that. I would rather die do- doing what, right. what I've got in the ba- getting uh, what I've got in the basement out. I'd rather take that chance than, than have it the decision made for me, and I never get the opportunity to finish what I want to finish. Yeah, and you do eventually get there, but it's it's in the middle of the fight. Yeah. Like it's it, just right. before the last round, they have that moment of just like pops. You just, you, you have nothing more to prove. Don't take any chances. And he goes, I'm going to go out. The, however it goes. I, so I'm going to go. That conversation does happen, but it has to happen in five seconds between two rounds right. of. Yeah. So it should have been a whole scene. I totally agree. Yeah. And the, the motivation would have been more, less whiny, as you said, for, for Robert and a more sympathetic character. Yeah. It's, I don't want to dislike the character, but he's kind of written in an unlikable way, which is a shame because I if this anything, is Rocky's son, and we don't want to. I, I, I don't want to feel like. Well, and also, uh, it, it's hard to for me to disentangle my point of view on the way Rocky is behaving and the way Stallone has written Rocky to behave. You know, because the separation between Stallone, the screenwriter, and Rocky is so narrow. Yeah, it's razor. Thin. It, it's it's tough, and I think. Rocky at one point says, you know, 
when you were a kid, you were good, and I raised you, and you know, you 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 were smart, and everything was great. And you're a terrible father. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, yeah, I think you and I obviously we agree that he I, he made wait. some mistakes along the way, and oh, that's yeah. And and again, Rocky Five grappled with that, and I think that made it okay. Just like okay, you know, I wasn't always the best father, but we're gonna work it out. The way Rocky Five depicts their reconciliation works for me. And this doesn't work because when he's given his big speech, and there's good stuff in that speech, and a lot of Rocky fans really love because you know it's basically like the thesis of this whole series of you know it's not how hard you hit, it's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, and that's a truly kind of inspirational thing to say taken out of context. But when he goes, "You were good, and then you became your own man, and something changed, and you started looking for someone to blame, and all this." And to hear Rocky just say, like, you were fine until you left the house. And then you saw you went nuts. That's basically what he's saying. And I did my job. <laughs> but what what we're seeing in this movie, it does it does kind of seem like that. And I kind of going like, you know what? Rocky is right, but Stallone didn't have to write this scenario where Rocky is right. You know what I mean? I just I wish it was there was more going on to this than just like Robert being, you know, a selfish because he's basically saying, like, you shouldn't do what you want to do because you're embarrassing me. It's like, well, that's not a reason. Like, you know, <laughs> it shouldn't even be a conversation. Yeah. Rocker, she'd be like, that's stupid. <laughs> Don't be an idiot. <laughs> like, that's the dumbest reason I ever heard. You know, he just, <laughs> oh, whatever. I've, I've said my piece about it. All that. right, well. That, that, I think, is the thing that has... has not aged the worst for me. Yeah, that maybe moved it down in the rankings. Yeah, because I don't think I really felt this way even like a year or two ago, whatever the last time I watched this. No, whatever. All right, well, um, we've got the fight. Between Mason the Lion Dixon and Rocky Balboa. Yeah, well, there's there's a training montage, but I don't I can understand why you skipped it because it's a pretty unremarkable one. It's mostly weightlifting, which is not exciting. Yeah, really. you get a little bit uh, of a, a callback because you do have Pauly. Uh, oh yeah, letting him in to to, to wail away on uh, on some some slabs of beef. I have a question about that. I, I, uh, That's fine, but uh, I'll save it. Yeah, and you get the steps again, which I'm glad they just did it. You know, I mean, it's it's actually. Of all the callbacks, they saved both the meat and the steps for the, the montage. But it's done in a way that doesn't feel too nostalgia baity. You know what I mean? Like no. they, they just did it. Oh, he's he's punching the meat again, and he's running up the steps again. These are just things that Rocky likes to do when he trains. Yeah. It's not presented as like, huh, remember from the first movie? It's just like it, it's it makes sense that he's still doing the, this. The stuff. only one that they had in here really in the back half of the movie that was, but I loved it was <laughs> Paulie asking if he. Th- he had he could line up some sponsors. Oh, sure. It was a little bit of, and it still brought a smile to my face. Yeah, but that's still that's like a some things never change kind of a situation. <laughs> that's all. Polly's still Polly. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I was gonna say something. Oh, in, in terms of the montage, I think we needed more Mason Dixon. You get a little bit, but it's there's it's not much. Pretty perfunctory. Yeah. I would like to have seen more. What's going on in Mason's camp? You do get one. We kind of skipped over it. One scene of Mason Dixon being like, I'm sick of you managers. I got to go talk to my old trainer. Yeah. And he brings him back into the fold. And there's a really nice scene between the two of them. And it made me go like, I want more of this. I want to learn more about this manager. And, uh, you know, what is there? You get a little bit of a hint of a history of, you know, Mason Dixon came up through this guy's gym. And then he, be, he got yeah. big and kind of got business pulled managers, away. Yeah, yeah. I have a question there, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. But, yeah, I... I I would have liked to have seen more of that manager and kind of what, what Mason Dixon's training is like and how did that guy impact, you know, what is he doing differently? I mean, there is a, a sense that Mason Dixon isn't really getting into championship shape. 
the commenters during the fight comment on he's not in great shape. Yeah, well, but he's he did, also he didn't fighting he, a fifty-year, yeah. some-year-old man. He so. didn't. He, I mean, he won the fight, so he didn't he, need to. He, he did. Uh, so yeah, but I mean, what I and what I like about it though is that because I think Mason Dixon isn't a villain, he gets something out of it too. In that he's able to prove, you know, what his his old uh, trainer basically says is you got to be able to prove that when something's hitting you back, it feels like it should, you can push on. Yeah, he he gets to prove that he's not what the computer simulation said that right he he'd fall to bell but now granted it wasn't in his prime but the point is is that he took a, a savage beating won the fight and moved on so yeah. I, I like the way the choice that they made because I think it's realistic. Rocky Balboa would not win that fight. Well, they found a way because uh, Mason breaks his hand on Rocky's hip. <laughs> yes. it's, it's a way to justify because I mean, it's like James Conn versus Arnold Schwarzenegger. You have to, sure, you have yeah, to exactly. injure, injure sh- yeah, Schwarzenegger's shoulder. It's the equivalent of short, uh, Arnold getting shot in the shoulder every time he's got to fight someone who's clearly inferior to him. It even happens in Commando. I rewatched Commando recently, and I forgot. At some point, he gets shot during while he's storming the compound. So even in Commando, he's got to have a wound so that even he, John Matrix him and, needed a wound. Yeah, him and Bennett can have a fair fight. Because uh, <laughs> Freddie Mercury would stand no chance. No, normally we should, should have just taken that shot instead of being goaded into the fight. Come on, Bennett, you got to drive the knife into me. <laughs> I just watched it yesterday. Oh. I was I was cleaning the house. So I'm just going to put Commando on. That is a great background noise yeah. movie. Yeah, a lot of steel drums happening around the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was very nostalgic for movies like that. We don't get enough of those anymore. Please get us back on track because I'm going to lose it. All right, yeah. So there's the fight, and uh, I I think because essentially the way it's presented, <laughs> I know it's in my head now. <laughs> it's going to be in my head. Um, but yeah, the way it's presented is. Rocky kind of just, the first round, Rocky's just turtling up. The, the commenters say, like, Rocky landed 9 out of 13 punches, and then I forget, it was like 59 out of 69 punches. <laughs> yes, it was 59. <laughs> so, you know, Rocky's not even really competing. He's just kind of there. And then in round two, he gets knocked down a, a couple of times. Twice, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's depicted as, like, he is getting, you know, wrecked. And then Mason Dixon breaks his hand on Ro- uh, Rocky's the, the hip. And then it kind of the whole momentum changes, and it kind of it, I think it was smart to have some justification, yeah, because beyond just he's got heart, like you needed more than that, and no, it was smart to do it's more fair, than that. and if you didn't do that i it yeah, I wouldn't be able to swallow any of this an undefeated heavyweight champion in his prime <laughs> with like thirty out of thirty three wins were knockouts yeah. against a guy who really didn't earn the first championship at the end thing, you know. Apollo, uh, you know, well, whatever. We don't have to relitigate Rocky II, but you know, well, I, I, well, we'll talk about this when we get to Creed. But I do like, as time has gone on, the way that Rocky's title reign has been depicted. I guess, I guess, in this movie, it's depicted as he would have defeated uh, Mason Dixon. So I guess what I was about to say was not actually true. But I was going to say it feels like as this series goes on, the importance of Rocky's reign kind of gets diminished over time of just like you know what he was he was actually never as good as apollo creed and uh you know he was a beloved champion in part because he was such an under, underdog but yeah. maybe he when you actually like look at you know and rank who was the greatest champion maybe he doesn't belong in that that's kind of the tone you get in creed in particular just yeah. like i mean he even himself says and uh, no, i mean we'll talk about when we get to creed but i, I like i like the way this series has uh, progressed on yeah. representation of his legacy. Yeah, that's the the movie series is obviously about him, but I think where where he fits in this world in the sport. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Which also makes sense because really the first movie we talked about it is it's 
his relationship with Adrian. It's, you know, it happens to be that he's a boxer, right? And you, you get that backdrop. Yeah. But that really was never first and foremost. He was out to prove he's out to prove something here. He didn't need to be as they're talking about, you know, oh, you athletes talk about legacy. That's just the, you know, a, a substitute for getting paid. Yeah. What's funny is yeah, Rocky doesn't his legacy probably shouldn't be that he's among the annals of the the all-time greats, right? Yeah. He was a champion and he was a people's champion, but that doesn't mean he was one of the best boxers that was champ. Yeah. Oh, and I think the way this movie depicts it is he's he's kind of uncomfortable for having this big fight. He's not doing this fights to prove to the world or to be like to have like one last shot at fame or something. It's just, you know, he would have been more content, I think, he says, like to have smaller fights. He yeah. just wanted to prove it to himself. Um and yeah, and, and speaking of the first movie being about Rocky and Adrian, I love how this movie is still about their relationship. It begins and ends in the cemetery and yeah. he goes back to her grave and lays flowers and corrects a huge error from Rocky two. And it's the only reason why I can stomach the end of Rocky two is because Rocky Boboa fixed it where at the end of Rocky two, I said it when we covered it and Rocky says, yo, Adrian, I did it. And it rubs me the wrong way. And this movie, after he beats Mason Dixon, he goes to her grave and he says, I, I couldn't have done any of this without you, Adrian. And he goes, yo, Adrian, we did it. And he walks off. Perfect. And I'm so glad. I don't know if it's intentionally correcting Rocky II, but that's how it feels to me, and that's how I take it. Because Rocky II, that drives me so crazy. He didn't say, we did it. He should have said, we did it. He finally said, we you did it. You got it. In 2006. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, it really does mean a lot to me that, that Stallone not- wrote that and said... Now that she's gone, maybe he realizes how important she was. I don't know. Maybe that's that's an element of it. But um, just as a Rocky fan, I'm very very touched by that. That he, you All know, right. he he goes to her grave and says, "We did it." Even when she's gone, he couldn't have done this fight, you know, against Mason Dixon without her memory. And because you know, there's the moment where Marie brings the, the the picture of Adrian to Rocky's hotel room, and you know, oh, she always brought me luck. And just her presence is very present here, yeah. not to be too repetitive. Yeah. And then the movie ends with the montage of people running up the steps, which I really like. Yeah, I like that too. I think that's very fun and like, you know, for a very it's a very kind of sweet somber ending. Then it's just like bam, 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 and just suddenly just like <laughs> real people just <laughs> shot in a camcorder, just footage of people running up the steps. The Philly fanatic is there. <laughs> did you not pick up the? the I did, okay, yes. yeah, Philly fanatic is up running up the steps. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. All right, technology. It's already up in the cloud. What cloud? What cloud? All right. This is a technology segment where we discuss how advances in technology might have changed key scenes, plot, other items in the movie. I, I have one that you probably have at the top. It is not necessary plot, but, oh, man, was it amazing to see how quaint in 2006. Oh, I'm not sure I know what you mean. Are you, are you talking about the CGI? Like, no. Oh, what, I have no idea what you're getting at. Uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you got to start now because now I'm too curious. While this doesn't change the plot at all, I just saw it was so cute that Mason the Line Dixon goes out to his car and puts in a DVD. That's true, yeah. They're trying to show, like, oh, I, how. It's the height of luxury. The height of luxury. <laughs> that is true. I did I did think about that, but I didn't think about putting them in my notes. But yeah. Oh, man. I, I had actually some questions, I think, that I'll probably wind up skipping, but I just wonder, like, did he. I, did, is that you know? Is that why he needs money? Because he's buying such frivolous things like getting a little TV screen and DVD. It's tiny; you yeah. can't even see anything, Mason. Yeah, I, I, it's it's a weird moment because he goes out to his car to watch himself be pelted with ice. It's like he's like it's like he, I, 
is, is trying to motivate himself or something. I, I know. Don't. I think he's embarrassed. He doesn't want his like crew to see that he's watching it. But then why watch it at all? <laughs> That's what I don't. I got to go out to my Mercedes or whatever it is and watch it in my uh, car DVD player. Yeah, that. I mean, that one was at the top of my list. I was just laughing when he goes out, and yeah. it's a DVD in the car. It is pre- presented almost on the same level as Seco. Just like, look at this technology. The LED, uh, you know, display of DVD one, and then he puts in the DVD. Yeah, who burned him this DVD? It was like a. Did they release uh, like a, you can buy the DVD of the fights? I guess. I guess. Uh, do pe- do pay per views do that? I don't. Even I mean, know. I, it is plausible that he would have had you know like. Yeah, someone got got it for him. Yeah. Well, got covered so that he could you know like critique and like actually watch his own performance. So him, it makes sense if it was like Rocky or some you know somebody random, it wouldn't have made as much sense. I thought it was the broadcast. I thought when he puts it in and starts yeah, playing, I, I guess, thought there were announcers. Maybe yeah, I, no, I, I, I think you're right. It is the broadcast. I could be misremembering, but I thought so. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> that is uh, just a funny how far we've come. DVD in a car. Ooh, it's like uh, uh, which Bond movie? It's like From Russia with Love. Where Bond gets a call in his car, and it's like the girl in the car is like, "What? <laughs> a phone in your car?" Yeah, it is adorable. All right, what have you got? Well, most of mine are bummers because they're all COVID related. We already cut <laughs> not a one. Um, I mean, I just n- noted that uh, I wonder how Adrian's restaurant is doing because restaurants are having a tough time right now. And I, ho- I hope uh, Rocky in twenty twenty, wherever he is, is uh, has some kind of COVID plan to get uh, business. So it's funny. I had one that was a little bit different. I said that I'm like because you've got first he has a hostess. We didn't cover it, but that she's pregnant and she, he he just that's just a plot device to be able to bring little Marie in to yeah. replace her and not feel bad. Rocky offers both her and her son a job. I think only she takes the job, but uh, he's just desperate. He just wants them to be working for him. That's- but I actually said that little Marie would today would have a lot less phone call reservations and a lot more managing of open table is what they would have. Oh, I thought you were going to say that uh, Adrian's would have some kind of like reservation app. They'd develop an app to. No, to... I think they would. They'd just be signed up on open table. You think you're talking about open table is an app where you do dinner reservations. Oh, I, I did not know that was. Oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah. You know, it's um, it's been around for like actually since probably like 2006. Okay, uh, it's I've now, never used it. Yeah, um, I mean, not all restaurants are on it, but many restaurants that you need reservations. For I, th- I thought you meant that they would they would be forced to go to you know and walk in and wait you know ten minutes or whatever that kind of you like got, no reservations you, no model. You you could do that, but no, I I, I, I a, it's a pretty small restaurant. There's no waiting area. Th- there's not, and it was just because she was handling phone reservations. I'm like, yeah, today you wouldn't have. I'm not saying that no places take phone reservations, but most people do it. If they're reserving, oh. their, it's an app, or they're they're doing it. Online. I'm just revealing myself to be a real dirtbag, or I don't, you know, I don't eat at places that require <laughs> I reservations. Know, I don't know about a dirtbag. What else you got? I got one more other than uh, other than open table. The only other thing I have is just a note saying lately there have been a lot of famous people doing like streams or just like I'm gonna let's do a watch party and we'll talk about the movie I made eight years ago because there's nothing nothing happening and I want to make sure people don't forget who I am am. yes so I was thinking like you know Rocky's telling all these stories at the tables I I I wonder if Rocky would be doing stream let's watch uh, the second Apollo Creed fight I'll just talk about it instead of telling a a story at the table I believe that I think maybe he'd be doing that during the you know what I think Rocky would definitely be doing as well today, I just thinking out loud about it is the um, uh, the app Cameo, where you can get either you can get like Gary Busey to record something, and you can send the video for like 150 bucks or sure. 300 bucks, or maybe like a, a directions, like a you know a satellite uh, oh. sat nav. <laughs> How are you doing? Turn right. 
hey, you're going to want to merge left right here. <laughs> All right, so I got, I got one more. Okay. So what I also thought about uh, today, although I looked up, and apparently EA Sports, that, that's how much boxing has fallen by the wayside. There is not like a current EA Sports boxing game. Oh, no, I'll bet, like, Fight Night for PS3 is probably... Yeah, and so that's what I found. But what I did say, until I found that, because I didn't know, because, again, I, I don't even have a PS3. Mine dates back to a PS2. What I said is that today, what would wind up happening after that computer simulation and certainly the fight is that there would be a surge in interest if, if EA did have an online version, sort of like, actually, The Last Dance, and there's been a massive surge in the 90s Bulls, and all of their opponents, because all these kids that are playing online have no idea of the 85, 86 Celtics, yeah. the bad boys you know, of the late 80s. Rocky Balboa would have a massive surge in interest if there was an EA Sports online you know, boxing game actually in existence right yeah. now. They'd have to pay Rocky for his likeness, though, so maybe that's an alternate source of income. You know? yeah. While his restaurant's suffering from COVID, he can uh, you know, <laughs> make, make, it, up, make of, it up from that. Yeah, people using Rocky Balboa on uh, ESPN's, or EA Sports Fight Night. I think around this time there was a Rocky game. It might have even been based on this movie. I don't know. Uh, I, I, was there one for Creed? I don't. Well, there, I think there was a VR game for Creed. That'll show you how much time, how, how things have changed between the two movies. A VR game? I think so. Wow. There's definitely a VR Creed. It might have been tied to Creed 2. Oculus Rift, then, probably. I think it works for all. All oh. those VR games work for all the systems. They, okay. they can't afford to be exclusive. <laughs> Not enough people have those things. That's true. They can't be like, you can only play this on Oculus Rift. It's like, well, we've, we've cut our tiny market into even tinier segments. We had a market of a million people when we just cut it to 200,000. Yeah, I mean, 000. literally. I mean, I don't think there's any VR games that don't work on everything because yeah. you'd screw yourself if you didn't. Even the ones that are made by, like, Facebook or, like, you know, like, they, they, they're... Or, uh, um, Valve, they just put out a new Half-Life VR game. I don't know if you ever played any of the Half-Life games. I'm familiar with them, and I've never played them. They just put out a VR Half-Life game, and they make their own VR system. And you'd think if anyone would make it exclusive, they would. No, play it, play it on anything, please. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, was, it was made in hopes of driving sales of their please. VR things. So, you know. All right, is that good for technology? Yeah, pretty much. I, I just had a note saying, by today's standards, the CGI fight looks really oh, terrible. But, you know, it's true. that kind of goes without saying. All right, yeah, we can move on. Little details. That cardboard headstone tipped over. The, this graveyard is obviously phony. Still one of my favorite sound drops. Uh, the little details, the, the segment of the show where we discuss minutia that we found interesting or noteworthy. Yeah, you want to start? Or? Uh, yeah, I'm going to start. Does, do, do we need the soundboard? Does a take it back not performed by Frank Salone get, get the button? I'm pretty sure this is performed by Frank Stallone, but either way, we definitely need the button because... You guessed it, Frank Stallone. Take It Back is definitely in the movie, and I did catch it, and only because we've seen all these movies I relatively recently, otherwise yeah. I never would have known. It's, it's, well, that's the thing is, this is probably the first time it's been used in its purest form since the first movie, otherwise, every time it's been used from two onwards, it's been some kind of like remixed or reworked version or, like, sampled by a hip-hop group in Rocky Five, stuff like that. Um, this is the first time we're just getting the, like, doo-wop, huddled around a flaming trash can version. But that's not all. I had oh. this in my note also. Were, were you done with the... Yeah, that, that, I just wanted to make sure we got, a, we, we got the button for Frank Stallone. We need to hit the button multiple times because apparently there are two additional Frank Stallone songs in this movie. I listened to one of them on YouTube and did not recognize it. I'm like, where is this in the movie? And then I couldn't find the, other, the third one on YouTube anywhere. But then how do you know it's true? It's according to the credits at okay. the end of the movie. So All two right. more stingers for that. 
And then one more. This is the first time in a long time, and you only see the back of his head. He appears on screen in a Sylvester Stallone movie. He is one of those guys listening to Rocky's story, or he's uh, you know, at the table. At the table, where the one guy goes, "Oh, I heard the greatest sound." And the guy goes, "Ding the bell." Not that guy. The guy on the other side of the table. I really? He doesn't say a word, but it's, and he's just looking up at Stallone. So at the back of his, <laughs> at, at his brother. So one more singer for Frank Stallone. Three songs and a cameo. That's a lot of Frank Stallone. We, that's, that's probably more than we had in most of the, all the other ones combined. It's definitely the most since uh, Rocky Three, where he sings on screen and uh, is pretty prominent. I think he gets a close-up in Rocky Three. Yes, he does. Well, I was, I was wondering, because I think we speculated at the time, oh, this is probably the same character who was huddled around that, uh, that barrel in Rocky One. He's <laughs> become a singer, and, you know, he's got a... He's made it. Yeah, he's made it, and his, uh, Rocky's helping out his buddy from the neighborhood. And now, now here's Frank Stallone again. So is this the same character? Is this, he just having a meal? At, it could uh, be. I mean, Spider Rico's at the at that restaurant. Sure. So why yeah. couldn't he be? Yeah, I was I was wondering. It's got to be the same character. It's Frank Stallone. All right. So it would, it would have been great if he had told a story about like I had this guy who was singing. I lost this fight to Clever Lang because this guy is singing all the time when I was training. I couldn't <laughs> I, concentrate. I wasn't paying attention <laughs> to my training. I was I was training for the fight, and he kept saying he's training for the fight in the song, and it was just really distracting. We're getting I, ready for the fight. I was getting ready for the fight. I, I didn't know. Was was he getting ready or was I supposed to be getting ready? And then I wasn't doing any work because I wasn't sure. Was it like two two negatives is a positive? Right. Was I already ready? Well, that's why I lost the fight. And then he's like, that was me. I'm the guy at the ta- table is like, yeah, maybe you don't remember me, uh, Rocky. All right. Well, I also, I need a I need an animal pet check-in because we, we definitely have some of those. So You're I'm, heading me off at the pass of all my... Uh, no, so I'm asking you. This oh, okay. is your, your thing. So I'm going to go right to that. Where where are we at on the pet check? Is that Cuff and Link, by the way? That is definitely Cuff and Link. They, I, don't, I, mean, they, I don't see how it... They live a long time, but this feels even longer than turtles normally would live. I think turtles live like 80 years. They okay. Live long, all right. Long it's time. Cuff and Link, then. It has to be. There's two turtles and a... And a and there's no way it's not. Okay, I mean, right. they, well, they're presented in a way where they have to be cuffed and linked because the first familiar character we see, and I thought this was a nice touch, is the photo of Adrian and the and the on uh, yeah. the end table, yeah, or whatever, yeah, whatever. Uh, and the alarm's going off, and then it pans up to the tank with Cuff and Link. They're the second and third <laughs> recurring characters that we see in this movie. So it's got to be Cuff and Link. All right. That's and then, yeah, Pet Watch, we also get a new pets in, in the series. Punchy. We get Punchy the dog. You know how hard it is for me not to think Poochie. <laughs> it is very similar. Punchy, I, he's one of the least notable pets, I would say, in the series, but I do think his little Rocky-style gray sweater that he wears during the run, I, like I think that. it's adorable. I, I I think that's adorable, and I also I did like Rocky's choice of dog. You know, yeah, that, that steps. Little Marie's son wants you know basically like the pit bull guard dog that looks like he's looking for a fight. Not Rocky, no. He yeah, look at that dog. He's he's a little broken down. Punchy's yeah. a little broken down like Rocky it's is. It's the thinnest metaphor. I mean, come I know. <laughs> we, come we didn't on. talk about the scene because it is kind of like, yeah, we get it. Sylvester Stallone. Yes, this dog. Everyone's dismissing this dog saying he's worthless, but he's got some t- a few good years left. We get what you're saying here. And you put him in that, that little sweater, like you said, and he's ready to go. <laughs> yeah, he's the dog of, of 50-year-old Rockies because he's running up those steps, too. <laughs> I did feel bad for that dog. That, that dog look, did look pretty old, and it's like, boy, so what, the, 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 the real dog, it. yeah, they're really making him run up those steps. <laughs> All well, right, I, I want to get a pet check, because I know that's, that's, that's been your thing. Oh, yeah, no, I, Pet Watch every time we do a Rocky movie, and then I'm, I, also, I always follow up Pet Watch with Leroy Neiman Watch. 
So since we brought that up, I have to go from one to the other. He's, he, a, he's sort of a pet of the series. He's definitely there. His, his mustache, I guess, is the pet. <laughs> yes. So his mustache survived. I was very relieved because I think when I when we spotted him in Rocky Five, I said, I know he's in Rocky Balboa, but I think maybe he had shaved his mustache, which is why. Oh, no, he's got it. It's there. It's a little shaved down. It's not as ridiculous. <laughs> I think that's the difference. Yeah. It's just a normal human being mustache now. <laughs> so, you know, it's not quite as recognizable. But the mustache is—it's a little weakened, a little older, a little wiser. But yeah. uh, the mustache it's is there. still there. It's he's there. He's there at the weigh-in. No, no dialogue again. No. For the second straight movie, he's just kind of hanging around. His paintings are are very uh, heavily featured, though. That big painting in the back of the uh, the restaurant. Yes. That's that's almost, that's way more uh, front and center Prominent. than Leroy Neiman himself. All right. Uh, next one I had is uh, that I I enjoy. So you get. Uh, Robert's boss. We didn't talk much about him. <laughs> oh, we need to talk about him. All right, we can talk about. But I, I thought it was a really. I thought it was a nice line for a guy who doesn't have much. He he got the the actor got the bank for his buck when Rocky's posing for the picture with him. He's like, you know, everybody wants this one. He's like, yeah, it's a good thing it's not your left. I I yeah. did like that. I thought that was a pretty good comeback from Mister Thomason or whatever his yeah, name was. Tomlinson. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about that guy then. <laughs> well, I just find it funny. Um, again, I, I, I think this is a good movie. I don't want to make it seem like I'm harping on the screenplay a lot. I know I am. But it's clear that Sylvester Stallone has never had a 9-to-5 job because of the way this guy is treating Rob. I mean, maybe these guys exist. I don't know. But uh, I don't know what kind of like office job... The boss is waiting for Robert in the lobby right. and like ambushes. We're going, we're going right into my question. I want to know. can save it if you want. What kind of boss and what kind of job does he have? I don't understand. In the lobby of a massive office building. Right. Well, there's no way this is one. There's obviously multiple companies oh, operating yeah, on many, this. Many, many. There's yes. no way, like even like the Sears Tower at Sears no. at their heights couldn't no. fill the Sears Tower. Yeah. So, yeah, a, lot of, a communal lobby. So people who work at other companies are hearing this, overhearing this. How embarrassing is this? I, I have I have line for line because I just found I was so incredulous of what this <laughs> okay, guy was saying. Ahead. It's kind of in the background because we're mostly on Rocky watching this happen. Yeah, you're, but- you're hearing it kind of faint, but I was able to make the whole thing out. Robert, what's going on? You're late. No, I don't want to hear it. Your job performance is nowhere near good enough to be pulling this. I don't give a damn who your father is. You understand me? No, get out of here. <laughs> he says, get out of here. And then this is what I love, and I don't understand what this guy actually does because he says, get out of here. Robert starts, going, around, yeah. Robert starts going to the escalator to like go, presumably, to the office to do his job. Right. He sees his dad, so he has a conversation, and then this guy sidles right up. Is he? Just, what's he doing? Is he just bumping oh, around think, in the lobby? I think he went, and he hid, and he said, I'm going to wait. I'm going to, unbeknownst to Robert, I'm going to make sure he goes to the office. <laughs> to be fair to Robert's boss... Later in the movie, because we see kind of some of Robert's coworkers, actually, that's that's more true to my experience of being like a white collar employee in your twenties, where it's just like a bunch of idiots being like, oh, "Let's just go get a drink after work." Like that dynamic felt very yeah, real, real to me. But um, he comes into work one morning when when there's a newspaper article of like Rocky Balboa, you know, gets his license, his boxing license. They're like, "Look at this! Hey, look at your dad! Let's go get some food." It's like you guys just walked in the <laughs> the building, you're <laughs> going to get breakfast, I guess. So maybe to be fair to this boss, maybe these guys are just a bunch of goof offs, and he's, and he's got to he's prowl he's gotta hover, he's got to hover over them every second they're in the building. <laughs> All right, well, I I like this comeback because I thought his comeback to Rock was pretty good. Yeah, I mean this whole thing. Oh, you're gonna introduce me to your father, and I do like the little. It's it's very telling, and probably the best line of dialogue in that scene where is like, yeah, you know, your son Robert, he's got the misfortune of working for me, and Robert just quietly goes, "It's a good job." 
like partially to convince himself, partially to placate his boss, to play, you know, to get his dad out of his case. Like I just all fronts. It's very uh, well. There's a lot of funny stuff in that scene. I didn't. Uh, one moment I never noticed until this time. It has, doesn't have to do with the boss, but Rocky uh, sees Robert. He stops and says, "Oh, Robert, how you doing?" Like genuinely asking, "How are you doing?" Oh, I'm doing okay. And then someone spots Rocky, like it's a passerby. Hey, Rock! And Rock, hey, how you doing? But Robert thinks he's like, or he's like confused. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. <laughs> because Rocky just greets everyone with how you doing? Yeah. So the first time it was genuinely, genuinely asking his son. And the second time just reflexively, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing okay. I just said it. <laughs> but I just found that funny this time. Agreed. I, I almost did a how you doing count. I, oh, I, I, I should have. I, I, I ran that. out of time. Well, this movie in particular. He, hello, is how you doing? Goodbye, how you doing? When he says goodbye to Robert, he gives him a hug. Oh, how you doing? <laughs> he leaves. It, it's, it's like uh, it has become like the Smurf for Rocky. It can mean anything. <laughs> yes. All right, All what, right. Do, what do you got? Uh, next for me, actually, I started listing out my Pauly quotes. So let me get some of the Pauly quotes out. Uh, you, you got him uh, coming back with the whole world is falling apart. And I think that was a callback... Ur- Urban Blight? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, because they're talking about uh, Mickey's gym, the sign, yeah. which apparently is not owned by the family anymore. Or not clear? Uh, no, I, I think I think it was clear that they, they don't, because he mentions how it's fading and falling apart, so yeah. I don't... I, it's fallen into disrepair and not controlled by uh, the Balboas. You're left to assume that, yeah. Because yeah. if it, if they had ownership of it, he would have cleaned it up. Ice is stupid. People standing on ice are more stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like uh, Paulie is just getting progressively I, I, more annoyed throughout this this nostalgia tour. Every stop, he's more and more uh, like, uh, annoyed and angry. What's funny is I kind of agree with Paulie on that. <laughs> well, I, I do too. My ankles are so bad, I, can, I can't even stand. I can't ice skate. My, I will break my ankles immediately. <sighs> this is kind of terrible. Wait, before before you move on, I just have other, one other funny line in that scene where they go to the ice rink. Okay. I just find it funny how Paulie is just the exposition machine machine there, where it's like, I'm glad they burned this ice rink down. <laughs> audience you gotta do it you gotta explain where are they but uh, i just it was such an exposition I think it's torn down but yeah, yeah. yes yeah. <laughs> you gotta explain to the audience this is the ice rink that has been torn down <laughs> italian food cooked up by a bunch of mexicans ain't so special yeah, that's the start of this whole, whole racist run it, it is it racist gets- Polly. But to a certain extent, Polly kind of does have a point to a certain extent. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's I, not very authentic, right? <laughs> no, def- that's definitely true. It's not authentic. But also, I, I think the movie gets away with it because I like Rocky's reaction. Where he's like, hey, yo. <laughs> you know, he's like, cool at Polly. I uh, mean, in part, he's, he's defending his guys. Yeah. Like, those are his employees and those are that's his guys. That's true. <laughs> Polly's reaction. What an ugly dog. <laughs> yes, that is very funny. <laughs> <laughs> He's really, that's one of the funniest Polly scenes. He's really on a roll in that scene. He really, it is full on comedy club Polly. I also love just his presumption where he just treats that like his own personal bar. This is a restaurant bar. I mean, it's a tiny little bar, but still, he, he just goes back there and makes himself a he, drink. That's it's the best. He's just making his own. Yeah. He just has the run of the place. Probably Spider Rico saw that and went like, well, I know Rocky too. If Polly's getting away with pouring himself drinks, I'm just going to eat all the food in the place. Uh, so the only thing, there was some other, but I did enjoy that, um, Rocky gives back because Paulie gets pretty bad with the racism. Yeah. Oh, it gets worse beyond yeah, that so, Mexican line. Yeah. So I, when, when, when steps comes in, that's when yeah, it gets real bad. Yeah. So I'm leaving that aside. I like the Rocky punches back. Yeah. Coming from the human hamper. Yes. <laughs> it's a great yeah. line. 
Yeah, I, I like that Rocky pushes back frequently on yes. Paulie's BS. Human Hamper, I really enjoyed. So yeah. that that's th- those. I, I don't want to go into the racist ones, but what an ugly dog was was among oh, Paulie's greatest in the entire series. Burt Young, I, his delivery of that line, his performance. If I was going to rank the funniest Paulie moments, that probably is in the top three. Is his delivery of that line? It's the a, only things that top it are, are Paulie Claus and uh, Paulie hitting Hulk Hogan in the back of the chair. Can I put one more for consideration? Sure. <laughs> I can't wait to hear it. Oh, is, that, is it Seiko related? I, I, no. Oh, okay. It's actually not. I think it's the facial expression when he gets pushed in the pool by Apollo. Oh, sure. Out in L.A. His reaction is priceless. Yeah. I, I think I'd put uh, Ugly Dog. All, all the three I just listed, I'd put above that. But that was pretty what good. What an ugly dog. Yeah. All right, uh, sorry, that, that, that's all I had for Pauly You'd quotes. think his racism would have been cured by the end of Rocky Three. You, you would know? hope so. Yeah, you'd think he, he gave Apollo and Duke credit. You did a good job. You got uh, Rocky and, you know, maybe he, once, he, once Apollo was out of his life and obviously... He reverted back yeah, to Yeah, he just his, he reverted back. Ways. All right, so I, I took up a lot of time there with Pauly. What, what, what do you got next? Well, I have to go back to our Frank Stallone note because I have one thing that I just discovered while... Trying to that that one song I couldn't find anywhere on YouTube or anywhere I was trying to find, you know, to listen to it. Like, what is this song? It's in the credits. And I have no idea what this is. And while I was researching it, I just so happened to learn. And I can't believe I forgot to say it earlier. That apparently, take it back. The song is somewhere in John Wick Three. What? It's in the credits of John Wick Three, and I didn't have time to search through John Wick Three and try to find it. Oh man! I, but I, I next time I, I'll have to. It's an excuse to watch John Wick Three, so uh, I, I'm gonna have to watch it. And it's like, on where H- is it? I, I know you own them. I yeah. I don't own. Oh, I might own that now. But even if not, it's on HBO right now, streaming. I absolutely. I have to see how Take It Back is weaved into John Wick Three. It sounds like John Wick passes a barbershop quartet at some point, and they're singing that song. I don't know if it's the recording, of the actual Frank Stallone recording, but I think. It's, it's somewhere on the internet, it said it is in John Wick Three. You you have me intrigued now. I had to. I couldn't forget to mention that because it blew me away so much, and I was like, I can't believe that's a true fact. I, I, I mean, at this point, I don't believe it. I, I need to verify for myself. I uh, I I have a couple from a from the 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 crew scene with a. Uh, for Mason's crew, and they're like, "Hey, you got to come, come see this champ." Okay. Two things that I want to cover. One, Mason Dixon must have no regard for his collection of automobiles because he is shooting baskets. He is. He only has half court, which actually a, that's pretty impressive to have a half court, you know, full nice basketball court. But the cars are parked at like the the top of the key. Yeah. You miss it all. I mean, you either might he must be like Prince. In Charlie Murphy playing basketball that he just does not miss, or he has no regard for his automobiles whatsoever. A guy this rich should have a dedicated basketball court. Not just like have a basketball hoop in his driveway like a middle-class guy, like a regular no, but guy. I, I looked like it was like a court that was made in oh, his driveway. He has so many cars that the, the that, parking lot's overflowing onto the basketball court. Yeah, but I think that's the case, but I'm like, that's really blatant disregard because there's no way basketballs are not hitting those cars. Oh, I agree. I mean, he just probably has the budget to, you know, take it to be detailed every couple of weeks when the basketballs hit him. I mean, Rocky Balboa had a robot wandering around his cars. You can't trust that robot. That's true. That's so he, true. It's got sharp edges, could scratch up all his uh, Lamborghinis or Ferraris or whatever he had. So the other thing from that sequence actually had to do with when they went to the panelists. One guy in his crew just yelled when, when the Bert, uh, what's the. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you I think was, tell him, Bert. It's the. <laughs> I think it was the same guy who <laughs> looked back. And who was, yeah, I think it was the same I guy. love that guy because. 
because his you tell him Bert was outstanding yeah. and made me laugh. Yeah. They were really going crazy. I mean, everybody, both in Mason Dixon's camp and also in that like Irish pub that, that uh, Robert's uh, watching, yeah. everyone's going crazy in, in both locations for this <laughs> fictional cartoon fight. Fictional cartoon fight. Here's the only thing I had as a note. I skipped it, but... I've never been in a bar with that many people, and I know it's Philadelphia, and they're talking about Rocky Balboa. I've never been in a bar where you could have the volume turned all the way up. There's no way you would have actually been able to hear what they were saying. Oh, no, camera. not with that many people. Yeah, so. Yeah, and it didn't have the closed captioning. If it had closed captioning, I would have bought that you could yeah. see them saying, you know, we project Balboa to. Yeah, most bars will do that, because they know yeah. you're not going to be able to hear the TV, right, so you put the closed captioning on. All right. Okay, I just have a note. I have nothing to say about this other than I need to bring it up now in preparation for Creed Two. And that, and this is not really a spoiler. It technically is, but it's the tiniest of things. All right. This is setting up what may, may be Rocky's ultimate nemesis, which maybe we'll have to add this to the scale. Rocky's ultimate nemesis in his older age are burnt out street lamps. <laughs> so that's all I'm going to say. He okay. has to replace the Marie. When I said Marie's Whoa. place, yeah. yes. <laughs> he blinds himself briefly. So remember this when we get to Creed 2. Uh, Creed 2, which I'm his, his nemesis burnt out street lamps. All right. That's all I'll say. We'll talk about it more in Creed 2. All right. So I just had, and I, I can't now remember in my head, but I had that Paulie's laugh after asking Rocky about being mad about his statue being torn down. I had it yeah. that his laugh was great, but I don't actually remember the laugh now. Well, because it's clear that Rocky isn't being entirely honest. Like, are you mad they took down your statue? He's like, no. Like, he kind of says it like a little kid. And Rocky's like, <laughs> Not really. All yeah, right. it is a little. Yeah, I, I, that's a great scene. We never, we didn't really talk about. You know, Rocky kind of breaks down. You know, he's just like, I just feel like you know, uh, I forget what he says, but it's a really great performance by Stallone. He's, he's crying, and but it is kind of whiplash. It goes from you know a kind of a joke about like the Tuscaner statue, haha, to be like in tears, saying I, you know, I don't don't know what to do with myself, and I forget what he says. I don't yeah. know the, the dialogue, but that scene uh, it should be called out just for I think that's a really good scene by Stallone. Just acting wise. Uh, okay, Skip Bayless. I think got enough from me. <laughs> I kind of have a question. This is an observation. I debated putting this in questions, but I think it's easier to talk about it here because I don't. It's not really a question. It's just a clarification. Because it was something you talked about when we did Rocky Three, and I just was trying to remember. Because when Paulie loses his job, and Rocky says, "Oh, since when do they give meat instead of watches?" and Paulie goes. I got a watch. You gave me a watch. And then <laughs> he storms out and he goes, I got two watches. And I couldn't remember. You were saying something about how does he, he doesn't pick up the watch in no, Rocky 3. it's just in the parking garage. And then he gets another watch. Okay, because I, I thought you had said something like that and I couldn't remember what specifically we had Apparently talked about. Apparently that confirmed that he never picked up that watch. Yeah, I think so. I think your theory, because I think at the time I was like, no, it's all the same watch. But then this movie goes, I got two watches. Like, Wait, maybe, maybe you were right. But I couldn't remember what your theory was. So, okay. So, so, but maybe he... This could have been a scam Paulie pulled. He left the watch, made Rocky give him a new one, and then went back and got the original watch, and now he's revealing, I got two watches! It could be. <laughs> it's all coming out. I just It was an interesting... What a little tiny detail to refer back to. With, with, yeah, I mean, this is This is the little details we're in, but that is a small detail. The watch that Rocky got him in Rocky 2. I know you said that he's the worst actor in the in this entire Rocky franchise. I just noted the chairman of the boxing commission reminded me of Stan Lee. 
Although, sure, oh, yeah, a little more uh, buttoned up than Stanley. Buttoned up, but it was like his hair and the facial construction. He he reminded me of Stanley, and maybe yeah, the wooden it. acting actually also might have been oh, very Stanley. Stanley is a thousand times better than this guy. No, Stanley is not good. That's how bad this guy is. That's what I'm saying. Okay, yeah, Stanley's not a good actor, but this guy is one of the is in the running for worst actor, worst actor with more than two lines I've ever seen. In particular, it's when he goes, well, "What right do you think you mean?" It sound it sounds like you know what it's we you had said uh, or one of us had brought up Ed Wood or because oh, it's the clip we play every time I was thinking about Ed Wood but in Ed Wood the guy being like I gotta go down to the old farm he's like practicing it in the mirror over and over his one line or whatever yeah it's like oh you know he's he's a terrible actor but his uncle put up fifty thousand dollars so he can play the lead <laughs> in the movie and that's how it felt of just like the the chairman yeah I don't know this I don't know how they raised the money for this movie I think it was probably semi-independently made but it felt like this guy was somehow like he worked his way a non-actor who should not be acting at all somehow made his way into this role through nefarious means <laughs> nefarious I, means. I don't know how anybody get how this guy gets cast there had to be some story behind it he's clearly not an actor well, uh, maybe I'm just maybe something about him rub, rubs me in particular the wrong way. Maybe he's not as bad as I yeah, feel like I, he is. I thought I read somewhere. I thought that he played a different character in the Rocky franchise previously. Did he? That's what well, I thought the, I read somewhere. But if if he had ever acted outside of the Rocky series, then I stand corrected. But that just makes me think that he's a buddy of Stallone's or has some in mm-hmm. with the production. If he played a different character in another movie, he's he's the equivalent of Frank Stallone. I mean, Frank Stallone is just just because he's his brother. The hangers on. Yeah. Nothing against Frank Stallone. To a degree, I like poking fun at him. It's I, I have way more affection. <laughs> you and Norm McDonald. Yeah, I, but I have way more affection for Frank Stallone than this guy, who I think is actually ruining that scene, you know, in part. All right, that's fair. What else? Maybe you- it's not fair. I don't know. Maybe I'm being unfair, but I just, that guy. I didn't, didn't think it was good acting. Yeah, the fact that you, you didn't even, like, it didn't stand out to you makes me think that I, something about I was probably, me is wrong now. I was distracted because he reminded me of Stan Lee, and I was waiting for a Marvel movie. I guess. Uh... Okay, I noticed, I didn't realize until this time, Steps is wearing a, jer- a jersey that just says Jordan on the front. They oh, couldn't get the Bulls uh, license, apparently. I did not notice that. No, that I, is interesting. I had never noticed before he's wearing a jersey that just says Jordan 23. I mean, it's red and black, but uh, it's definitely not a Bulls jersey. It reminded me, I, uh, I just happened to cross a couple months ago a, a, a an old 80s basketball instructional video starring Kurt Rambis. And he was wearing a, a jersey that just said Rambus, but in the Lakers font. And I was just like, I need to own that. Can I buy that somewhere? <laughs> it's not a Lakers jersey. It just says Rambus. <laughs> I don't know if you know my history of Kurt. I, I, had, I have an obsession with Kurt Rambus. It, it mostly came out in college in the dorms. It became a running joke because I just find Kurt Rambus like, almost in a Frank Stallone kind of a way. Kurt Rambus was a basketball player, for those who don't know. But, I was uh, say, I know who Kurt Rambus was. Yeah. But. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I had a mild fascination with him because <laughs> he was just this goofy-looking guy. But then I, I, whatever, he, he, I saw him on a list of, like, the, the basketball players you would never guess were so tough. And I was just like, I know he's tough because <laughs> he's just this goofy guy in glasses. But then he's like, every time you see him, he's like, he's like a hockey goon. He, he's always getting yeah, in fights. Bill Lambier. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, was very, but, but, less, but more goofy and less you know, yeah. jerky. Cynical. Yeah, and, exactly. Not cynical, but sinister. Yeah, there's, there's nothing fun Bill about Lambier. Bill Lambier. But Kurt Rambis, I just find, <laughs> I find to be a fun figure. He's like this rare period in the NBA where a guy like that could exist. <laughs> oh man, can you imagine? I mean, you can't. I mean, Kurt Rambis in the current NBA. No, I mean, it's impossible. he would never make an NBA team. 
He was just there to knock guys over, and like when, whenever someone on the other team would pick a fight with Magic Johnson, he would go over and clock him. Yeah, <laughs> and then, but he wore glasses, so he seemed innocent. So he would never like get thrown out of the game. I honestly think those glasses were just there for show. You know, you would you wouldn't hit a guy with glasses, but I will one hundred percent hit you. I love it. It <laughs> this, was a defense is, mechanism. They're not going to hit. They're not going to punch back because they're not going to hit a guy with a glasses. thousand percent. This is why I was always fascinated with Kurt Rampus. I have. I. I. When I was younger, I had a very strong fascination. It's faded over time. When I had a fantasy f- a basketball team, we were always the Kurt Rampus All Stars. It's I'm, funny because watching you know the Last Dance, I'm, I'm thinking about those '90s Bulls teams, and then just like the NBA, how it's changed significantly. And at least for me, I'm almost have zero interest in the NBA today. Yeah, it didn't need to be a goon squad either. But I, you know, I'd rather big men be a part of the game, more physical, whatever. Yeah, I agree. But I'm like thinking back, and like I remember the, the Orlando Magic, the Penny Hardaway, Shaquille O'Neal, Dennis Scott, Nick Anderson, like it, it, the that Magic team. Right in between the Bulls championships was like one of my favorite teams of all time. I had a fascination with like I like the players on that team. I there's no way I would ever guess that yours would be the Kurt Rambis All Stars. Yeah, it's, I, yeah. It, you never really we weren't hanging out when that was at its peak with me. So that's why I said I, you probably don't know about my Kurt Rambis obsession. I like the idea though of like some bizarre world where you take players. That have it like had no business probably ever really being in the game, but they were there as enforcers. But then like for like that, that would be an interesting like you force the current NBA like you know you've you've got to have <laughs> right you, yeah you know like like on, on an EA Sports yeah. you you roster construction you have to take some like goon player from like the seventies and eighties and put it on like. The Golden State Warriors yeah sure bombing threes, but you've got to have Kurt Rambis out there. Uh, basketball would be much better if uh, you were forced to have those guys out there. I think. Yeah. All right, all right. I got to get back on track. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, I I distracted us with that Jordan jersey. <sighs> I'm sure you can get a Jordan jersey just like Steps is wearing, but you can't get a Rambus jersey. <laughs> no, it's a tragedy. Can't. All right, so I I just noticed, and I I found this a little hard to believe. So when the 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 pitch of oh don't worry a portion of the gate will go to charity. After they convince, you know, or they think they convince Rocky, Rocky says, well, I'll think about it. It seems like he only takes about three steps away, and they're like, oh, we got him. Right. I'm like, I don't know. It seems like he's a little close. And then they're like saying, oh, can you imagine if this guy, you know, fought Dixon in his prime? Oh, murder him. How, what are you talking about? Rocky has to be able to hear you. What are these clowns doing? Yeah, I think there's overconfidence. They're just, uh, you know, they're a bunch of gas bags, a couple of gas bags. I guess. That was very close for them to say. Like, just assume, yeah, we got him. What? Well, it sounds like you have an answer because uh, I have a question about that line later. And since you brought it up, I'm just going to ask it now. Because right. I think there is a certain amount of disagreement in Rocky fan circles of when he says, oh, if he met him in his prime, he'd kill him, he'd kill him. Not entirely clear who the he is and who the him is, but it sounds like you're saying that they believe that Rocky would kill Mason. I can see why people would think because the, the it's two ambiguous. The, it's ambiguous. The two of them seem a little bit like they're just leeches that are there to make money. And I shouldn't say leeches. They are marketing professionals. They're, yeah, they're not as bad as like Duke from Rocky Five. They're not like evil. They're no. they're doing their jobs to the best of their ability. Their job right. just happens to be, you know, kind of slimy. But I don't think they necessarily believe like Mason Dixon is a great fighter either. So I can see why people would say that. But for for me, no, I took it as like, oh, this guy's a chump. I I took the scene as this guy's a chump. Dixon would okay. destroy. I, this I guy. misinterpreted what you were saying then. Yeah, because I agree with that also. But I think the consensus, by and large, among Rocky fans, is the, other is the reverse. Way. 
But I think a lot of that is just some bias of like Rocky fans are biased towards Rocky, and so they assume everybody else is, and they yeah, think, oh, see, they must be saying that Rocky would kill him. I don't understand that, because when you see Rocky's record compared to Mason Dixon's record... Yeah, those 23 said, losses or 27 losses or whatever it is. It really stands out when you see that up there. Yeah, but then, as you said, like I think the, the this franchise legitimately is diminishing kind of like the legacy as it goes on, yeah. because, again, Rocky's a great story as a champion, but not necessarily a dominant champion that should be like, oh, no, he was one of the greatest boxers of all time. And we know for a fact that his first run as champion was prolonged uh, artificially by Mickey. So, you know, based on that alone. Yeah, based on the dismissive comment prior to that, he'd kill him. Because, yeah, like you said, we got him. So they're they're already being dismissive of Rocky, and I think that comment is a continuation of their dismissiveness of Rocky. That's the way I've always read that. That's how I interpret it, too, is that they said, oh, yeah, this... This guy has been a pushover. It's easy. We, we've already got him locked in. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't stand a chance in his prime. That ESPN fake-looking video was totally wrong. No way yeah. Dixon th- would lose to this guy. I think we're in the minority here, though. I, my and, sense. And I can understand that, too. I can yeah. understand that. I only got really like one more that I want to cover, and then we can do Devil's Advocate. What about you? Uh, I've got a handful more, but I'll, right, I'll, let, me, let me just... I just need to mention there's a character who will reappear in Creed, and so... I don't think I noticed he was even in this movie until this time, but uh, Stitch, he's a guy who will, will later reappear as one of uh, Adonis's corner man, men. He's, um, but he's in Mason Dixon's corner in this oh, movie. Oh, I didn't, I didn't notice that. So he's, he's got a mustache. You know, he's, he's his cut man. And so it's, I, I didn't realize that there was that continuity, but like, uh, oh, that's that guy who later becomes Adonis Creed. He must not man. have nearly as an identifiable mustache since I didn't notice. No, it. it's a pretty good mustache, but it's hard to compete with Leroy Neiman when you're in the same movie with Leroy Neiman. Even his, even Leroy Neiman's reduced mustache is still, <laughs> yeah, it's outshining Stitch's much. I don't know the guy's real name, but he's called Stitch in these movies. Uh, yeah, we talked about Mike Tyson and how I don't like the fact that he's in this movie. I don't. I think it's a bad, it bad choice. It doesn't make a lot of sense in terms of continuity. No. Like, when was Mike Tyson? Was he champion in this world? Do you, have, do you want to talk about that in questions? We can. We can say. Oh it. no, we don't have to. I don't think it makes sense. And uh, as we said, you know, it kind of towards the start. Clubber Lang, right there. Boom, yeah. done. You you cut co- you co- you can cover Clubber Lang. I know your point, yeah, Mister T. I get that. We talked about it, but I mean, I. I it, I, it used to bother me that ESPN is in this movie. Now I totally get it. Of like, it shows the time. This is the this, this is the sports media landscape from 2006. So of course it should be part of this. And it always felt kind of weird to me. For a while, it felt weird to me. Like, why is this in a Rocky movie? It felt very strange. Now I totally accept it. But Mike Tyson being in this movie, like yeah. this is like the real world reaching in and like defiling this movie. And it wasn't necessary either. You don't you don't yeah, need that part of the scene at all. Weird random cameo, and he's just ah, oh, you know, this is for charity. It was nonsense. Whatever he's saying, it's like it's not even. There's no meaningful content to that. No, moment. he just rips that he's got that Mason's got a short guy yeah, in his crew, yeah. <laughs> which he does. <laughs> I mean, the next shot you see that guy and like, well, he's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he shouldn't say it, but he's not wrong. Uh, yeah, I think the only <laughs> the only moment I want to highlight, and then we can, do. You have any more? Or? I got one more. You you go ahead. I want to save mine for last. All right, it's actually Ma- Max Kellerman, and you referenced it, and I noted that he is so excited that he got a "How you doing?" from his idol Rocky Balboa, and yeah. so. I, I, what I suggest is maybe that's the reason why he was in the 30 for 30 
the Rocky Balboa. Oh yeah, I forgot he, Cold War. I forgot he was in that. Yeah. So it's clear he's a fan. He's a Rocky Balboa fan. So it made perfect sense that Max Kellerman would be on the side that Balboa ends the Cold War. Oh yeah. I mean, I think despite you know the early movies, uh, the way they depicted boxing in a very unrealistic way, I think most boxing commentators and boxers they they must love the Rocky movies, right? So it makes sense that. Max Kellerman, you know, would be a Balboa. He would vol- volunteer to be in a, a ridiculous comedy video <laughs> celebrating Rocky. We didn't really talk about how the, the boxing is like the feel of it has changed. It feels much more realistic. Oh yeah, in this it's, movie. it's easily the, the for me. I think the best of, of any yeah. of the movies. <laughs> I remember. I forget what which episode this was where you were laughing at the fact that I said, "Well." The series eventually gets the boxing right in Rocky Balboa. And you were like, it took them six movies to get the boxing right? It's like, well, yeah, kind of. That's a fair point on my part. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you were correct to be to find that amusing, but it's true. Like, this is the first movie. It's like, okay, this feels like a real sporting event, not just like, you know, like gladiators pounding on each other, like Rocky IV. Like, you know, nothing about that feels real. <laughs> this feels like a real boxing match. There's a lot of fun things that are fun about Rocky Four, but it does not feel realistic. This no. does feel like a real boxing match. No, not at all. Anyway, this is my last note, and it's, it's during the fights. In the last round, Rocky gets knocked down, and there's a moment where he kind of flashes to, like, you, know, you get little flashes of, like, Mickey throughout the fight and Adrian and stuff like that. And so Rocky's searching for inspiration. He's got to stand back up, and I just find it very funny to me. It's like, I need to be inspired. Who should I? Whose words can I think of? Mine. <laughs> He goes, what did you say to the kid? It's not about how hard you can get it. It's about how hard you can get it. I just find it very funny that Rocky draws inspiration from himself in this moment. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I think the sentiment works. Of course, this is the, the premise of this whole series. It's about how hard you can get, get, get hit and keep moving forward. Just You're in right. This That's a great observation. And of course, <laughs> now you've reminded me of a Simpsons. All right, Homer, I'm not going to lie to you. You can beat Tatum. All you got to do is visualize how you're going to win. Oh, and an apparent, apparent heart, congenital heart defect fell Tatum moments before he could step into the ring. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm extending this segment a little more, but I can't believe I forgot to talk about the scene where uh, Duke is is kind of when they first start the training. Yeah, he, <laughs> There's a similar moment where he's like, to beat this guy, we need speed. You don't have it. <laughs> He's got arthritis. He's just ripping on rock. That was a scene where I was laughing in the theater. I remember that vividly. I think we talked about it at the end of the last episode where I was, because it's just like, and just the overblown rhetoric of uh, Duke. I mean, I love Duke. I, I was laughing out of joy. I really do think, you know, it's, it's you know, I'm not laughing at the movie, but it is kind of funny to me where it's just like, you gotta hit him so hard, you're gonna rattle his ancestors. It's just like this overblown thing, and then he cracks his neck. Yeah, we're gonna build some hurting bombs. Tony Duke Evers is overblown in the exact right way that I like yeah, in this movie. He's he really going for it. All right, you ready for the devil's advocate? Let's do it. I want to ask you a bunch of questions, and I want to have them answered immediately. All right, The Devil's Advocate, the segment of the show where we've come up with questions that we pose to one another from what we observed in the movie and try and answer them. You want to fire off first? I will go first uh, because this first question has largely to do with the 16-year gap between movies. Okay. So we know that Roberts was born in 1976 because both the fights in Rocky 1 and 2 were in 1976, January 1st and then like November-ish. So he's born like probably October 76, something like that. All right. Uh, late in the year. And then we know that Adrian's the restaurant 
It says on the sign, established 1995. So depending on where the cutoff for the school year is, oh, man. it's very possible that this is the year that Robert was going off to college. My question is, did the Balboas blow Robert's college fund to op- <laughs> open this restaurant? Because that timing is very suspicious to me. Oh, man. Your son's I, going off to college and you're opening a restaurant? Um, because I'm going to project that they didn't have much of a college fund to begin with, based on Rocky Five. Okay. I'm going to say whatever money they had definitely went into that restaurant. So, yes, Robert was on his own. He was taking out a lot of school loans. <laughs> it's understandable, then, that there's like friction between them. I'm going to college. Just like, get a loan, kid. <laughs> you blew all the money with robots and cars. Yes. We yeah. crawl ourselves out. You scrape together some money from managing the the other robot, the Tommy Gun. And what do you do? You plow it into a restaurant yeah. right as I'm going to college. Yeah, that's that's your guaranteed uh, investment right there. A restaurant. Those <laughs> never fail. It's like an extended warranty. How can you lose? <laughs> I just found that timing very funny. That is funny. an excellent observation. I did not put that together at all. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to one that actually has to do with income and jobs. All right. Here's okay. my question to you. When Paulie gets his final paycheck, should he really be surprised he got let go? All we see him doing is sitting down <laughs> painting yeah, and sure talking to Rocky. What does he do all day? I, I what would you say you do here? <laughs> he paints and he watches the meat, I guess. Well, well, then he watches the meat. Even after he's laid off, he's got the keys and lets Rocky in there to punch the meat. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so even when he's laid off, he's doing a bad job. I guess at that point, it's justified. So but. then your answer is he should not be surprised that he got let go. No. Yeah, he's just down there painting. I wasn't sure. <laughs> Think about that. He's just down there painting. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't want to uh, make make generalizations. I was going to say, speaking of uh, Rocky's entitlement, that's like the ultimate entitlement. I should have this job where I do nothing. Because <laughs> I've had it this long. Yeah, exactly. Well, he left for a while. I imagine he had to start, start at the bottom again once Rocky Five happened and he had to start all over. <laughs> you know, he yes, was, You're right. That's true. He didn't have to work for at least a little while while Rocky was uh, rich and famous. Um, what was I about to say? Oh, I, the, this is the first time we see Paulie painting, right? I don't think this was a thing previously. No, I don't think Not so. That's my recollection. I wonder if this movie is presenting this as Paulie is the one who painted all those Leroy Neiman paintings, including <laughs> the one in the back. The styles don't quite match. No, they don't. But uh, yeah, I wasn't sure if that's what they were trying to say. Because right. Leroy Neiman is a different person. Yes. The real Leroy Neiman painted those paintings, but the fictional Leroy Neiman is a, is a ring announcer. Yes. So who painted the paintings? Paulie. I guess so. All right. I what, believe that. Next question. Uh, mine? I think that one was mine. No, it, I, that was me. I was asking the question if Paulie should be surprised oh, right, yeah, he yeah. got to let go. You're right. Well, actually, this, this leads right into my next question, because... Paulie gets some consolation meat, I guess, when he gets laid off. I don't know if he just stole this or what. I've uh, got an answer for that. He he absolutely stole it. Yeah, I think so too. Well, Rocky also stole some meat in, in uh, Rocky too, so I guess this is a thing. If Rocky, if Paulie, reason Paulie should get fired. Yeah, if he was a watchman, <laughs> he's doing a terrible. He's job. awful. Although once he was fired, he didn't have to watch this place anymore. He took some meat, but anyway, he leaves the meat at the bar by mistake. He barges out the back. He forgets to take the meat with him. So I was just wondering if uh, Adrian's the restaurant served up that meat oh, that day. One hundred percent. Some free meat, you know. Spider took it down for it to get cooked up yeah. without a doubt. Okay. Well, yeah, and they need to make up for all the product that Spider's eaten. So okay. Some <laughs> and free all the meat. booze that Polly steals. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, Polly's still coming out ahead on that one. <laughs> 
All right. I actually don't have a ton of questions. Uh, more of mine were, were in the notes. But here's here's my next question. <laughs> You're not going to be able to answer this, but I want to ask it anyway. Okay. The second business manager, not the one who gets the most screen time, but the, the guy who comes in second. The bald guy. The bald guy. Yeah. Why does... <laughs> Why does his suit have so many buttons? It has an insane amount of buttons. Now that on you it. mention it, yeah, I, I recognize something looks weird about this guy. <laughs> Unconsciously, I noticed that he, he he something was strange. He's very theatrical. He's a guy. Every time he talks, he's like gesturing like yes, a Shakespearean actor. Yes. You know what? What is it? The scene it's where they're talking in Mason's weird antiseptic gym. They're like. When, when you fight Balboa, everyone will be like, oh, Mason Dixon. I'm, I'm gesturing right now. Mason Dixon, he's a man of the people. He was magnanimous to whatever he's saying. Yes. And he's just big, making these big gestures like he's on stage. Well, yeah, he's, he's just got a lot of buttons on his suit. He seemed like an odd guy. Yeah, I, I, I'm picturing him now. And you're right, it is a lot of... It's like a Al Capone kind of a thing, like some kind of like <laughs> 20s uh, gangster look. All right. These guys kind of have that vibe anyway. Like, yeah, so maybe that's the reason why, is he was trying, he, he yeah. needed the wardrobe to play the part. How yeah. about that? I don't think these are the kind of guys who would try to make Mason Dixon fix a fight, but right up to the edge of that, I think, is what these guys are. They'd be okay with it. If he, if he came up with that idea, they would not be sure. opposed. Yeah, they're not going to push it on him, but they'll take a cut if it happens. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, I only have one more question that we have not already addressed, uh, which is there's a line when Rocky, one of the times Rocky drops off uh, Marie... And he asked, oh, it's when he asked her to work for him. He's like, you know, if you say no, I'll be so hurt. I'm just going to stand in the middle of the street and wait for a bus to come and run me over and flatten me, I think he says. And she goes, there hasn't been a bus come in this neighborhood in 20 years. And it is, I do find it cute. He's like, oh, that was close. <laughs> That's a funny moment. It is. But my question related to this bus not coming by in 20 years, do you think that the bus route <laughs> was ruined by the fact that Rocky and Tommy Gunn <laughs> delayed this bus in this neighborhood 20 years ago or whatever, 18, 17 years ago? Right? I knew that's true because I made a big deal about that bus <laughs> Sure. Oh, it's, it's, Just it's, sitting there watching this fight. People went, this bus is never on time. There's always fights in the streets. And so people stopped taking the bus and the bus became unprofitable. I, I see the downward spiral. Yeah. This was, that was the beginning of it all. There might have even been a surge on the route because people were hoping, well, maybe Rocky's going to get in another fight. So we'll take this bus and maybe we'll get lucky. And then when it didn't happen, that was just it. It spiraled out of control. And yeah, I think Marie is not getting bus service down by her apartment because of Rocky Balboa and Tommy the Machine yeah. Gun. And Duke goading them into that fight. So, And, and I guess Paulie also goading them into the fight. So uh, There's a lot it of blame may, to go around for the bus not coming It makes sense, too, because, she, um, well, no, Rocky gives her a lift home from, from the bar. Because I was going to say, the, the, I know you know the name of the bar. I, I can't recall. Lucky Seven. Yeah, so it's right outside of that bar is where Tommy and, and Rocky fight. So yeah. it would make sense, but Marie doesn't walk home from her job. She gets a ride from Rocky. That's true. She says she lives eight blocks from... Yeah. The bar. Either way, I, well, you know, it could, I it find could go it totally both. plausible that 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 bus route has been ruined by Tommy. The it Machine ruined Gun. it for the whole neighborhood. Yes, you know that's that's my conjecture. All right, all right. I don't. Anything else? Well, no, no, no. My last one. No, I, I want to cover this one. Okay. We kind of touched on it, but let's let's finish it off with this. What is Robert's job? <laughs> oh yeah, we definitely need to talk about this. We we never loop back to it. So we should. This is my last one. What is Robert's job? It has to do with numbers. We know that. And Rocky's uh, advice is to take an eraser to all of them. He's basically saying, destroy your company's financial records. 
That's his, this is my advice to you, Robert. Maybe Robert works in Enron. It's Philly. <laughs> sure. Philly, not Houston, unfortunately. Yeah. I don't know if there's a Philly equivalent, but uh, I'm sure some, some company in Philly at some point was accused of financial malfeasance, and maybe Robert was involved. He does quit his job. We never t- touched on that. He just decides, I'm going to quit. Yeah, I'm, I wasn't happy totally either. glossed over. Right, yeah. Rocky gives him a speech, and then the next scene, yeah, I quit. So, yeah, St- what? Stallone isn't particularly interested in the points of view of the younger characters. Steps, also. Steps oh, is just the Total background, yes. Yeah, there's not really any purpose for Steps, other than to be a voice of the young people so that Rocky could dismiss it. Oh, do you want that old dog? You want this pit bull? And Rocky's there, no, no, young, I'm going to give you my wisdom. You want the old dog. Well, well, wait a minute. Give me the wisdom. What is Robert's job? I, it's something to do with numbers, accounting and finance, and some of some kind. Okay, that's my. That's how it feels to me. But then because it's the way his vibe, boss treats him, it's, it's got, but it's got a vibe and feel. But it's Philly is the problem. It's got a vibe and feel like it's finance, like Wall Street. But it can't be because it's Philly, and there's actually not really a ton of. Yeah, Philly's but, not a financial center in any way, shape. It's not a financial center, but I don't get the sense that he's working for like a bank. I get the sense he's it's some kind of corporate office. I mean, you know, I've worked in accounting for co- corporations. I've never worked in banking. They're not the same thing necessarily. No, it's, you know, it's true. The accounting and finance that I did was, uh, you know, not particularly like complex. You know what? It's probably like data entry or something. Because the way he's treated, he's They're treated kinda, like a very low level. Guy. He is, but the, uh, him and his younger, you know, buddies that he goes out with, they're dressed pretty but well. They're dressed very well, and they act like the guys in like uh, what's boiler the, room. Yeah, in boiler room. Exactly. That's, that's the word. I couldn't they're, remember the they're name. Toned of it. down from boiler room, but but that's it has a little bit of that. Vibe. It has a vibe like Wall Street, but it's not because it's Philly. So. It, it's it's something accounting or finance related. Fine. Yeah, but when I say finance, I don't necessarily mean like in the banking sector. It's like I think it's probably corporate some kind finance. of corporate. Finance. Yeah, cor- corporate treasurers, to, whatever. But not that high level. Not him. Think. But what I'm saying is, yeah, the, yeah. yeah, something like that. All right. It's it's hard to get a pinpoint on it because again, I don't think Sylvester Stallone, the screenwriter, has, he has no experience working any nine to five jobs, so he doesn't know what it's like to work in an office. This is his best guess. All right. You know, that's that's all it is. All right, you ready? Uh, I I think we're gonna skip Silk Cozart, but I know you insist that I play the theme, so here we go. Oh, for y'all! Yes, y'all! How many times do you skip this? Well, let me tell you why, because I just don't have the energy for it. Because we're this is you know it's a rocky episode. We always go long on these, but uh, we're recording pretty late. And what what I wanted to do, and I knew this was gonna take a long time, and I'm just I right now don't have the energy for it. Is I wanted to you and I together. I was gonna see. Speaking of finance. Can we get an estimate as how profitable we think Adrian's the restaurant is? I wanted I wanted to go through every line on the PNL. I wanted to go for the revenue, cost of uh, goods. I wanted to you know what what is he paying in rent? How much is he paying in salary? How well, are we gonna do that? Estimates, just you know, just okay. best guesses. I wanted to go through every line of them. You know, what's he paying in income tax? Well, you I can know? tell you right now, the fact that he was driving around to the Philly Italian market to get supplies and not getting a supplier like Cisco or U.S. Foods, yeah, not very efficient. I was definitely going to say because I did a little bit of research in preparation for this, so it's pointless now because I don't want to do it. But I did a little research. Okay, what do you, how, you know, just very general sense. What is best practices for running a restaurant? It's kind of stuff I looked up, and I saw that you know you want. The cost of the ingredient should be about twenty-five to thirty-five percent of what you're charging. I think Rocky is way over that range. I think it's probably fifty percent of of uh, 
is, is the cost of the ingredients. Because, yes, he's not getting any kind of wholesale deal or anything. No. He's just buying them bit by bit, whatever he he's feels like. He's driving buying. around in a van <laughs> right. and buying stuff at the Italian market. But maybe he's getting good deals. It's hard to say. You know, Maybe the, the Italian market, uh, he could have some connections there. Maybe from his time I, I, as, in, as Mr. Gazzo's collector. Maybe it could, could be. It also could be they give him a discount because some of the people recognize. Sure. Oh, all right, champ. Yeah. That's, I think it's wholly inefficient, though. Yeah, I, th- I think he's definitely uh, not uh, getting a great margin based on his his <laughs> the practices of buying his ingredients. But I think he, he takes pride. He wants to have you know quality, fresh ingredients. He doesn't want to have it shipped from. Uh, I can he wants that. he wants fresh food. All right. I, all right. I looked up roughly what you would pay now per square foot per month in for Philly. like a yeah, in Philly for a restaurant uh, like South Philly. I was going to try to extrapolate, but I don't have the energy right now. So. All right. Let's, we we know that it's at least profitable enough that he can have. He's, he been, seems comfortable in the house that he's in. And yeah, that. and it's been around since '95. So I mean, it's it's had a good long run. And for yeah. restaurants, actually, it's clearly trading off of his name because restaurant themes they 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 generally close well before because that '95 to 2006. Yeah, yeah, he's had 11 years already and not had to change the concept. It, it's it's trading off his name. And yet, at the same time, it doesn't have Rocky's name on it. It's got Adrian's. Yeah, but people people know. Do they? I mean, I guess. Because I think they come in to hear, hear the stories that, that he tells. Oh, definitely they know. But, I mean, if you wanted to maximize you know, your advertising oh, dollar, it, you would want to call it Rocky's and yeah. not Adrian's. But people might think maybe it was Rocky Marciano. Sure. Well, yes, but um, that still works. I mean, Rocky Marciano was long dead, but <laughs> I mean, it works it's, as long as you get to... I, I guess uh, Rocky and Adrian... Is it at least known enough? Because Adrian, Adrian showed up on a couple of those magazine covers yeah. in Rocky Three, of like Rocky and Adrian. They're somehow a famous Clubber, couple. Clubber Lang calls her out. That's true. Yeah, he does. I whatever. We're not going to do it. But I want. I, I, All right. It's clear that he's he's doing fine, but probably not maximizing. He's not. Uh, you know, he's not trying to squeeze every penny out of this. It's more of a labor of love. It feels like. Well, let's at least get the segment done that we need to get done for the theory of our podcast. Okay, sorry uh, I'm letting you down again and letting the listeners down, but um, I did have a plan and then I just ran out of steam. Alright. Alright, let's do it. Body count. This movie we only killed 48 people compared to the last one where we killed 119. Well, this should be a very... uh, This is the segment of the show where we do what we say we're gonna do. Give you the body count. Comparing (laughs) Sylvester Stallone you shot at me for not doing what I said I was going to do. You <laughs> yes. can see I put I put together a spreadsheet. I was going to I was going to go through this whole fucking thing. Jeez, <laughs> oh, <laughs> it is late. Sorry, I'll believe it. <laughs> I prepared a you know I, I you had, did put in some work. I put in some work, but then I just oh you got two valets. Yeah, I, I, was, I was trying to I was trying to keep tra- how many how many. Uh, I was, tra- I was at least you keeping track he- of the things that we know for sure he's got expenses. I, I, a cable I count- for sure because he got the he's got the, the ESPN the Looney Tune fight yeah. to see on ESPN. I put it under utilities. He's definitely he's got at least paying for basic cable. Yeah, I, I've got some information here in the spreadsheet that we're not going to look at anymore because we don't need it. All because right, because it's too late. If we had started earlier, maybe we would have done it. This would have been a three-hour podcast, though. It's already going pretty long. All right. All right. This is the yeah, body count where we're comparing Arnold Schwarzenegger's body count to Sylvester Stallone. Arnold Schwarzenegger had an average body count of 14.39, total body count of 547. We're now at the end of season three. So through 37 movies, body count of 466 goes without saying. Nothing in a Rocky movie, or at least in this Rocky movie. Nothing since Apollo Creed. There have been no deaths. There have been no on-screen deaths since Apollo Creed. Obviously, Adrian died off-screen, yes. but we don't count that. 
So as of today, through 30, 466 on the body count of on Stallone's through 37 movies gives him an average of 11.65. Dropped 0.3 since Rambo 4. But he is currently on pace for a total of 652. So well ahead of Arnold's 547. Uh, but that pace is flawed because he's now got four. He's getting credit for four Rambo movies. So I still don't think it's a given, but All right, well, very likely. See. I think the odds, the odds, I gave him like, what, four to one last episode? I think yeah. I said, I think that's probably more like 10 to one. Arnold's a long shot, I think, now to win the, the overall body count. I think that's fair. But, uh, yeah, so that's, that's that. All right. Well, what's it's now time for is the Wrecking Crew Award. Yep. Let's do it. Outstanding achievement in. All right, the Wrecking Crew Award, where we um, determine uh, or award who or what, in some instances, wrecked the most shop in the movie. Oh, is it a what for you? It's not, actually. It's a what for me, so maybe you should go first. Oh, no, I want you to go first. (laughs) I've got the trick on my sleeve, so. All right, all right. (laughs) I can go first, it's fine. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll go first. And I said with the Balboa Dixon bout, effectively a draw. Dixon won, but the, the scoring yeah. it was effectively a draw. Split decision and very close. I elected to give it to Spider Rico. Spider ah. took care of those dishes like nobody's business. That's true. Helping Rocky Balboa's bottom line that we didn't uh, helping calculate. Rocky Balboa's bottom line. He's earning his keep. Yeah, and he, 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 he gives. Racist Polly, a look that looks he, like he he's does. gonna wreck Polly's shop. To so, be, to be fair, everybody in that restaurant who works there gives Polly those looks. That the, the, but the, Sp- the hostess gives the same look. It's like, true, but Spider, I think he he could have backed it up. Yeah, because he tells fearing Rocky. Spider, who is there, he gives the blessing to Rocky before the fight. <laughs> Spider, he, Spider wants peace on Earth for everybody, but Polly, no, he does not want that for Polly. And Spider may have the best line in the movie too that I didn't cover is that. When he says that he, you know, just let me do this. Yeah. Oh, what is the line? You, you got yeah, lucky. Yeah, don't make me fight you again. You got lucky last <laughs> you time. You got lucky last time. Yeah. He says, Jesus wants me to help you. He wants me to help down here. So and then, yeah, Paulie says, didn't you knock that bum out once? Which I'm, is understandable that Spider doesn't like him. I'm giving, I'm giving it to Spider Rico. Okay, that's a good, uh, good. yeah, I think given the draw. He definitely, you know, it's his grander turn to the series. So based on that alone. It is. So uh, what inanimate object have you awarded it it's to? It's not entirely inanimate. It is partially an- It is animate in the sense that it is... Punchy the dog? No, no. I, mean, I like Punchy the dog. I'm giving the Wrecking Crew Award to Rocky Balboa's right hip bone <laughs> for breaking Mason Dixon's hand. It wrecked Mason Dixon's it, hand. It did. It's the only thing that kept Rocky in that fight. That is a good idea. Rocky's right hip bone wins it for me. Well, here, there's. A, let me add to my my devil's advocate. Did Rocky have a hip replacement? And is that <laughs> Maybe. is that what? It's like I've been, the, I've been making a lot of. Is it like a metal hip? I was. I've been making a lot of professional refer, uh, wrestling references, but it's like remember Lex Luger had his artificial arm. <laughs> yes. And he would knock people out with his, his bionic arm. Maybe, yeah. maybe Rock had a trick up his sleeve. Maybe that's why the boxing commission denied him. It's like you've got this unfair advantage. You've got this this artificial hip. Someone's going to punch you in it and break his hand. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> I think solved both, it. I think both of those were excellent choices for this movie that was very difficult to come up with. I think we both came up with uniquely excellent. Ones. I agree. I, I'm going to slightly spoil Creed 2, but Spider Rico was supposed to have a presence in Creed 2, and it got cut. 
which really bummed me out. So I believe this might be the last time we see Spider Rico. So I think it's worth. This is a great. This is a very good time to celebrate Spider Rico. All right. He's been a part of our our scale forever, and we both handed out plenty of Spider Ricos. Yes. So yes. Spider Rico deserves a, a moment in the sun. And speaking, we, of we've Spider- been using Spider Rico as the example of the worst possible <laughs> ratings. So yeah, and it's now not, we got un- a wrecking crew. I, yeah, I think it's only fair. We've, we've been unfair to him by calling the worst movies Spider Ricos. He's probably you know he's better than that. Clearly, he's an upstanding moral person. He, he is. He's, you know, he deserves better. So I'm glad you gave it to Spider Rico. I was being jokey, and you, I, I'm actually, I, I genuinely appreciate you gave it to that character, a character that I really like. Well, it's a perfect segue because now it's time for the Rocky rating. All right. Hey, hey, what the hell are you doing? You're punching car accident victims. No, 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 you don't understand. He was bad mouthing my film. The Rocky rating, the segment of the show where we rank the movie based on Rocky opponents and maybe the quality of the fight that they put up in the movie. Uh, from a Spider Rico all the way to Apollo Creed. You're qualifying the scale even more every time. Because <laughs> I'm just trying to copy. You just said how I'm unfair to Spider Rico. So I'm trying to say that it's based on the fight, not necessarily the person. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're, yeah. ta- you're taking the onus off of the individual. Yes. Okay, okay. That's fair enough. Well, I thought you were be- trying to make this no. even more granular than it is. Oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> All right, uh, what was your rating on this one? I gave it an Apollo Creed. I, mean, I gave it an Apollo Creed as well. Yeah, and not really just because movie. last week, you or last week, the last episode you called me out that I unfairly don't give out Apollo Creeds because of how high regard I hold Apollo Creed. Oh, yes, I did say that, but I, I didn't say unfairly. You're, you have a right to give, uh, you know, I'm, I'm no podcast co-host or boxing commission can tell you how to rate <laughs> these movies. I'm not, gonna tell, I'm not going to tell you how you should rate these movies or well, why. This one You've was, got the right to listen to your gut. No one's got a right to tell you what to, who you want to be and what you want to do. Whatever Rocky says. <laughs> this one was an easy one for me. I think it's a perfect bookend to, to Rocky. It, it is a great comeback kind of movie, both for Stallone personally, I think for the Rocky franchise to kind of reinvigorate it for all. And I, I actually think what's funny is I think Mason the Line Dixon in many ways, is the perfect opponent. He it, it balances what that opponent needs to be for kind of this bookend and comeback. So for all the reasons, it's missing Apollo Creed, but it's still an Apollo Creed. I, I think it's telling that this movie is called Rocky Balboa, breaking the numbering scheme, which I poked fun at an earlier. I forget why, but uh, you know, it went so it went a long time with just numbers, and now I think it's telling that this is a movie about Rocky Balboa, and so you don't want too much focus on Mason Dixon. This movie's not about him. I know I wanted a little bit more of him in the montage, but yeah, he's he's the perfect bland opponent. You know, he's he's well written enough that you believe him and he's, you understand where he's coming from, what his motivation is, but uh, is not so strong a personality that he overwhelms the movie. Because yeah, I think this is exactly the movie that I mean, I, I, can, I couldn't imagine a better version. Well, other than the handful of scenes that I criticize, I mean, I can, I can imagine individual moments being improved, you know, but in terms of the way that Stallone approached the material, how do you do a Rocky movie set in 2006? I don't think you could approach it in any better way. I mean, no. this is exactly the correct way to handle this material, which could have very easily been laughable. I think it's understandable why people were kind of poking fun at the idea of another Rocky another movie, Rocky movie yeah. in his 50s and just. Uh, a, a series that was already kind of 
poked fun at for going along. Go, I mean, it's, too it's, long. It's hard to believe that at the time, five movies was laughably long. You know, there's like thirty Marvel movies, and there's like what twelve Star Wars movies now. Nine Fast and Furious. Yeah, I mean, at the time, James Bond was kind of grandfathered in, and that was it. Otherwise, it's just like if you make more than three movies, it's embarrassing. You know, and you're you're you're, you're cheapening just, yourself. Yeah. In particular, because the first movie was Oscar nominated, or Oscar, won an Oscar, yeah. so or multiple Oscars, I think, but for Best Picture, um, in particular, and yeah, the, it's a kind of a miracle that this movie brought the prestige back to this franchise, which is like unheard of. What franchise fell? I mean, I don't want to say fell to the depths because I I love Rocky Four, but that. That is a movie in a series that won an Academy Award for Best Picture, and you look at that and go, like, this is not that it's anymore. It's a cartoon. Yeah. And to crawl its way back from that, it's astonishing. It really is kind of a miracle. And any, any criticism I had for this movie, you know, I, I, uh, I can sometimes be overly critical about small things and not make it clear how much I enjoy the big picture. And just, I, this, it is amazing that this series clawed its way back and has continued to live in this space through the Creed movies, I think. It's not that, not necessarily that both. I mean, it's, it's up to opinions, but you know, I do think the first Creed is up to the standards of this movie, and even Creed Two, which I don't think is quite as good as either one of those two. It still is living in this world of real people having real problems, and and oh God, Rocky Four. Think about Rocky Four. I don't. Know. I love to. I don't know. I also love to, but I. It's it's really amazing that it got back to reality. It, it, I cannot believe it. I mean, I really can't. It's it's a, it's it's way more of an accomplishment than I think anyone can fathom. The robot, poor KGB agents. Yeah. <laughs> think, and I think about that KGB agent. Oh yeah, chasing Rocky poor up guy. a mountain. Yeah, I mean, he had no chance. <laughs> I think it's also why my inclination was to defend Rocky Five because I saw it as kind of the halfway point between that <laughs> the KGB run up a mountain falling to. To this, which is, you know, nothing about this other than maybe the cartoon fights, which is, why did they do that? That's the only, that's the least believable thing, and when that's your least believable thing, yeah, you're, you're in pretty, pretty good, good shape, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, I think... Uh, All right, so Rocky Balboa, that, that's a bookend for us, too, because that finishes up season three. It is. It's almost like we planned this to end every season. <laughs> it's amazing Rocky. how that works, yeah. right? So, yeah, it's the end so, of the season. The end of the season, so it's time for us to then move on to a recap episode of the season and then get ready for the final quarter it's gonna be a tough recap because this season the beginning of the season was a long time ago it feels like a a literal epoch ago i'm gonna say i don't remember some of that stuff the world was different then yes (laughs) the world was literally literally when we started this season so yeah but uh the last uh 12 episodes we will recap figure out our best and worst i think it's safe to say we'll be able to get it up in two weeks yes but i'm not gonna say a hundred percent but almost certain (laughs) you're killing me just giving us enough wiggle room just in case but we're gonna try to get it up in in two weeks and after that you know we're gonna be between seasons so it'll we'll be on a break so it'll be longer periods but we'll we'll be putting up bonus episodes in the meantime like yeah because we've got to get through this final season We'll, we'll take a break before we get to the final season but Let's not just jump right into the final season. Oh. Before then, this was a grueling season. This season, not, and it's not necessarily just the quality of the movies. Although we had definitely had a stretch where it was rough, uh, maybe two stretches. I'd have to go back and look at the list. But it was definitely, you know, there's a period. This this Rambo and Rocky one-two punch, no pun intended, was nice to be like, oh right, 
these movies are good sometimes. <laughs> it's you know. not all ICU. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it was a grueling season, so let's take a break. Fair Believe enough. me, I, 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 I will speak for myself. I need a break. I this just podcast, don't... you know, it's every two weeks. And not, I'm not going to say, like, this was back-breaking labor, but, you know. I just want to make, I agree. I just don't want to be on too long of a break. That's all. No, we'll we'll we'll, we'll figure it out. All right. There will be a break. Well, it's going to be a recap. I look forward to doing it. If you've enjoyed the show, please like us on your podcast app of choice. Maybe write us a favorable review and we'd love to hear from you on Twitter at Arms Race Podcast. Yeah. It's your your right to listen to your gut and no one can tell you what to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast app is, but <laughs> give us a good rating. Don't let the don't let that uh, board tell you what to think. You think for yourself and tell them that uh, you'd like this podcast, and tell your friends and family. Tell them that they should listen to their gut and listen to us. Listen to our gut. Listen to Rocky's gut. Definitely don't listen to the boxing commission. That's for sure. No, I mean, regardless of how good or bad that actor is, clearly was a stooge and written to be a real stooge. So, in that, we all can agree. Agreed. So we will we'll be back with a recap episode. Just what makes that little old ant think he'll move that rubber tree plant? Anyone knows an ant can't move a rubber tree plant, but he's got high hopes. He's got high hopes. He's got high Instead of letting go, just remember that.